welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Well, let's go! Wednesday Night Live, baby! April 6, 2022, to be exact. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here in the great state of New York. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I love when Paul hits the post. That's a radio term for all you. Well, what do salutations mean? I have no idea. It just sounds good. With it sounds good when you pair it with greetings. Okay. I guess it's like salut, like hello or good luck. Or, you know, go hurt yourself. I don't know. I like that. Go hurt yourself. I like that stuff. Who knows? I so how it. are you on this fine Wednesday, Mr. Like Cuny? Being, on... I, don't like, I don't like being quizzed right out of the gate, but I'll, I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> All right. Okay. But I asked, to answer your question, I'm doing well on this rainy, overcast, gray kind of day. Uh, but... It's always sunny this week because only two more days till glorious spring break. Ten days. Ten days away from some wonderful, wonderful children, but we all need a break from each other at this point in the school year. All right, so your spring break starts this weekend. It starts Saturday, well, Friday at, let's see, school gets out at 2.30, so at 2.30 in one second, it's uh, 240 hours of nonstop partying. Hey, man, Communist Party to you puke. Now, when you do, you do you have an annual routine when you leave the building the day of spring break? Do you do you skip yes. out or do you come out and like scream on the front steps of the school? No, that'll be my last day before I retire. But to, to give you an idea of what I look like on the last day before spring break, before winter break, you've seen the Flintstones. I have very when famous they, show. When he jumps out of the window and slides down the bronze or jumps out of his his whatever that machine is in the quarry and slides down the dinosaur tail into his car and then zips away, that's El Baldo on spring break and winter break. And will you uh, will you scream out the Flintstones uh, catchphrase? Yabba-dabba-doo? Most yes. likely. Excellent. Most likely. Excellent. Um, What's it's, something to look forward to? Uh, it's, you know, it's in, in here on these parts, as we say, um, it's the great slog between President's Day and spring break there are there's a half day here and there maybe but there are no days off and this year's spring break feels particularly late which is good on the other end because you come back and the school year feels virtually over but uh this week everybody came to school monday really pissed off because they should have been the quarter ended last week um the third quarter and that's usually about the time when spring break starts and we had a whole nother week of school before spring break so I can't speak for my fellow educators, but I'm trying to make it as easy as possible uh, on my students this week and myself because I don't want to be here. I tell them 
straight up. I'm like, you know, you guys think you're bitter about being here over spring break. How about this guy? I'm even more bitter. You just have to show up. I don't tell him that part, but I do tell him that I'm just as anxious to get um, away as they are. And, and my, my vacation, uh, you're looking at what I'm going to do for those 10 days minus the podcast part. I'll be sitting right here in this chair doing as little as possible. Well, why not move to the couch? No, I'll, I'll, that'll be my only movement this whole week between couch, between living room and kitchen. And then, you know, the bathroom a couple times, you know, here and there. Okay. A little more information than I need, you know, but. But that's the nature of our relationship. If I can't talk to you about my bathroom habits, then we got nothing. Didn't we do enough of that? Was the last episode eating the snacks where the, the, the rare, the weird yes. places that people eat, right? And I've, and I've asked this question before, speaking of the bathroom. Uh, and maybe I haven't, and if, you know, it's, we've been together for so long now, it's all sort of bleeding together. When you're all, now you live in a house with three other people, and how many dogs? And a one? dog, one dog. Okay. So when you're all by yourself in Casa de Cuthbert, yes. uh, do you still close the door to the bathroom? Of course. Oh, I'm just Because there are some people I've encountered. Only uncivilized way. people don't. Well, there are people I've encountered along the way who, uh, when they're home alone, it's when they're Macaulay Colganing it, uh, they leave the door open. Now, not only do I close the door because I'm civilized, but I still lock it when I'm on my, myself. I just, well, I don't you, know. I do too because you never know. Uh, you don't want to be in, you know, your pants around your ankles if a home and you know, if there's a home invasion. You know what I'm saying? That would be the worst. If there's a home invasion while I'm on the throne, I'm just like, look, take what you like. <laughs> don't scratch the walls on the way out, please. Take your time. I'm going to stay here in the bathroom. You just. Take whatever you need, have some snacks in the fridge, whatever. Just leave me alone. Come out of the bathroom, I'm sir. Run. I'm, I'm not, not finished run. yet. I'm not yeah, finished I'm not yet. I'm run uh, like into the family room, pants twixt the ankles, only to fall flat on my face. <sighs> Another vision we don't need out here in Honcho Sportsland or Sports Honcho's Land. Well, don't worry, folks. We'll edit that part out in post-production. No, we don't do any editing here, you know. Quiet. You're not supposed to tell them that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So other than that, uh, everything is, is well. You're excited yeah, every, about spring break. Everything um, is good times. Good times. Uh, so we got lots to talk about tonight. Um, we have the uh, the Major League Baseball season beginning tomorrow in states that aren't being drowned right now by the heavens. Yeah. Well, we've had two, we're going to have three straight days of rain when by the time tomorrow comes. Yeah, so um, if you have an arc, it's it's a good time to have it. Uh, little leagues and real baseball are all postponed until uh, this thing passes over, and then hopefully uh, there'll be a nice warm front coming in behind this. Because I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm done with the effing cult. I am done with the every day is about high forties, low fifties, overcast, and then the last three days it's been rain and very windy. I'm done. It's supposed to be April, you know, March. And we're not kite like- flyers either. We're not kite flyers. No. March came out like a lion and went out like a lion, like a Dan Campbell, as we mm. said last episode. We certainly did. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 ready for it's April. I'm ready for I know April showers bring May flowers and all that bullshinery, but I'm ready for some better weather. And how are you, by the way? You know, you asked me how I was, and then I, you know, just yacked about myself incessantly. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, no worries here. Busy, which is great. Um, the music company released a 40-date schedule today, which will take us through this weekend and all the way through uh, the end of October to the 
November 1st. So we are very grateful, uh, all of us uh, in the entertainment industry, but specifically me and my team, my musicians, and our company that we're, um, we're, we're back. And so we're excited. We've got a lot of stuff on the schedule. And uh, cool. we're, re- we're ready to go. We've been working hard the last uh, couple of months, preparing a couple of new projects. We, we uh, had some shows last weekend. We were up in Foxborough. I want to thank the amazing people of Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, you know, Patriot fans or not, this was, our, I believe, our fourth show up in Foxborough. And these folks are just amazing, uh, crushing it, selling the place out uh, between 1,000 and 1,200 people out there. And just love it. And we're coming back in July. And uh, it, it's 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 such a great time to head up there, and it's such a great time as a performer to to go out and play in front of these crowds and see see everybody out having a, just an effing good time, a great time. Now, is, this, is this the Jimmy Kenny Beach? That band? That is the Jimmy Kenny and the Pirate Beach Band. Um, all right, you know Zach Brown, Kenny Chesney, and right. Jimmy Buffett tribute, and we're all getting ready for the summer. It's our time of the year, so that's what we sing about. And uh, it's great, and the crowd sings along. It's uh, I can't I can't tell you enough. It's such a fun band. It's such a great fan base. Uh, we love it. And um, yeah, we were in Queens last week at the casino and launching the new Brian Adams tribute, and that went over just crazy. Do you know that Wait, um, you're doing a Brian Adams tribute? We're doing a Brian Adams tribute, and so far oh, it's Brian. just been a home run. Not to uh, you know, I know we're up against uh, opening day here, but the. Um, the fans in its short time, we, that was our second show on Friday night. But every, I mean, how can you not sing along to Brian Adams songs? Because a lot of people, you know, don't forget, let's just say that, that that guy had so many top 40 hing- singles. Well, he, he had a he, solid, like, 81, 82 to about 90 run, about an eight, yeah. nine year run. And then after he did the song from Robin Hood, um, which was his biggest selling single right? of all time. And then I, I think there was. I think waking up the neighbors with uh, "Can't Stop This Thing I Started" was right after, maybe right, right in that same time. And then after that album, it really went down the crapper. Well, I mean, eight till eighteen till a dot was pretty good. It's got, um, um, I think. Have you ever really loved a woman's on that album? And um, that, that that song's a meh plus. Come on, and let's make a night to remember. Great yeah. song. Anyway, but yeah, look, it doesn't of, matter. Hey, here's the thing, Rob. Chicks yes. dig it, and we dig chicks, so it's a home run. So we're all about it. It's all good. I have two questions before we move on. And I, well, first, again, Mazel Mazel on on the the music career, you know, booming again now. We're sort Thank of. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Two questions. One, in this forty city tour of yours, yes. or forty show tour of yours, will you be down in the? Uh, my neck of the woods? No, this year we're not. So far, no. Uh, right. That there's, there's not much room left. There's, there's no more weekend dates available. Mm-hmm. But um, if something comes up in the fall, buddy, I'll let you know. All right. Second question: Do you have like a tour T-shirt? We might. I got a couple of things in the works, and uh, if we, so, we... It, this guy would proudly wear one around the town square, even well, though. You're not really a local band here, but I would still, you know, tell people to check you out. No, I appreciate that. And we do have a lot of the fans. That's, you know, this stuff costs money, you know, to produce. uh, But we have, we get a lot of requests because people love the logo. And people buy them. See, they cost money, but then you kind of get that money back. That's how business works here in America. You, it costs you money, but then you make it back. 
when people like me buy a shirt or two. They make a great holiday gift. Yeah, they do. They do. I don't want to make excuses because, you know, you just got to get down and do it. But, you know, I got my, I'm like an octopus around here, Rob. You know that. Mm-hmm. And I got my hands on a lot of things. And in addition to that, I am a husband and father. So oh, yeah. we, we, I just want to put this in a, a real small box here. We've had to build back the, the music company, right? Mm-hmm. And we're ecstatic and very grateful with all our, um, our partner booking agents, our, you know, our regular clients, our annual clients, our venue owners, and to get this back up. So right. as far as swag and all that other stuff, that really got put down on the shelf. Because for the last two years, we haven't had any extra dollars. You know what I'm saying? And we were just, uh, any opportunities to play during quarantine and any opportunities just to get out and play. And they were, believe me, they were few and far between. We had, a get, we had a great spring to September last year when everything opened up again. Um, and then, obviously, you know, through Omicron, every just, everything just shut down again. And we crawled back in January, and now here we are making our way back. But now it's exciting because the engine is rolling again. So things like T-shirts, stickers, all that stuff, um, you, know, the, you, you know, to, to you know, the business has to start making money so you can start turning that stuff around again. And, and you well, know. Whenever you got it, I'm ready. Bless me, so. Father, for I have sinned. You know, Holy Spirit and all that other stuff, Father, Son, you know, uh, you know all that stuff that you do, Rob. Um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully this all all will get through. All my church-going days. Now, like, well, as soon as you get that stuff, just, you know, give me a holla. Yes. And I'll be happy to wear it. Well, thank they you, pal. They, they make great We got to get some sports honcho swag going, too, man. Sure. I'm ready. You know? I'm just, you know, I'm just, just give me the give me the shirts. I'll wear them all at one time. All right, pal. What do you say? You got any other questions? Or are you ready to fire this puppy up? I'm I'm ready to, to kick some ass from Mother Earth, as Russ Cargill once said. Okay, so uh, let's start off with um, uh, the episode number. What 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 episode are we up to today? It's a Heinz ketchup special, my friend. Episode fifty-seven. Episode fifty-seven. You know what that means, right? It means it's time for who wore best. Or you wear or what? It's Rod Stewart said. Who wore <laughs> Not the name in a second, but we like the song, so we're going to play it anyway. So what do you got for us this evening? All right, so uh, not a Hall of Famer, not a football player, but still one of the great pitchers of the first decade of the 21st century. A guy that doesn't get enough due as being someone who could have been a really dominant pitcher had he not kind of thrown his arm all the way out the window. And that's uh, good old Johan Santana. Oh, oh, a name I haven't heard in years. Of the Twins and of the Mets. He was a dominant, dominant pitcher with the Twins. And then he had some good years with the Mets. In fact, what he, Met fans will, will – he'll never have to buy a meal in New York because he brought the Mets their first – Whoa, whoa, wait, in Rob. Injury. Wait. You know, when you say Mets around here, you got to fire up the keyboard. Amazing Mets and Mr. Santana used to be one of those amazing Mets. Yep. Take it away, Mr. Cutie, again. Sorry, that's just the rule here on the Honchos. Going forward for the next 162 baseball games. Oh, that's fine. No, you but mentioned he, Mets. He, firing at the keyboards. No, that's fantastic. But only once. Not every time I mention Mets. That alarm. Well, no, that <laughs> Wait, what did you just say? Hold on. We only have but so much time in a show. But anyway, he... In addition to uh, his two Cy Youngs, 2004 and 2006, he won the Triple Crown. 2006, I mean, this unbelievable season. 19-6, and 2.77 ERA, 34 games started, 233 innings pitched, 245 strikeouts, 
Um, he won the Cy Young that year, of course. I mean, you win the triple crown of anything, batting or pitching, you're going to win some major awards. But those years in Minnesota, starting in 2003, when he won 12 games and going all the way through 2007, domination. Then he goes over to the Mets, has some more good years. Um, Then he gets injured, and he kind of falls off the the planet for a while, comes back um, in 2012, so he goes 11 and nine in 2010, pretty good year, 2.98 ERA. You know, not not 2006, but still a good year. You know, he had some good years for the Mets, and then 2011 he's done from injuries. Comes back, only pitches in 21 games, goes six and nine with a 4.85 ERA. So he clearly wasn't the Johan Santana he was in Minnesota and for a couple of years in New York. But he did throw the first no hitter in um, the team in New York, not called the Yankees. Um, and he'll always be revered in New York for that because, you know, only took 51 years. And you would think, when you think um, team not named the Yankees, no hitters, you would think, oh, it must be Seaver or Ryan or Doc Gooden, maybe Ron Darling, uh, DeGrom, Syndergaard, even the Dark Knight himself, Matt, Matt Harvey. No, it was none of those guys. It was Johan Santana. Johan. So he is our uh, who wore it best uh, recipient for today, and as always, we have a video or an audio clip. I'm excited. I always get excited remember, for this. Remember, the highlights don't translate very well on the radio. So what we have here, um, we have the couple warm-up pitches, and then we have some sound from the final out of that uh, no-hitter. And you'll hear uh, his catcher that day, Josh, and it, is it... T-H-O-L-E, is it Thole or Tolly? I don't know. He's a guy you couldn't pick out of, you know, the Osmond family photo, unless you're unless you're a fan of a team not from New York, not named the Yankees. See how I'm cleverly getting around saying that word to avoid yes. setting off the alarm? So what you're going to hear, the first, the voice you're going to hear is the catcher, Josh Toll, and you're going to hear a couple warm-up pitches, and then you'll hear the, um, the three batters go down in flames um, to complete the no-hitter. how i remember <laughs> the last the last inning of that game it might have been a little for, for for fans of you know the the not yankees it might have sounded a little differently when you saw it but you know here in the han shows we take uh just sometimes we take just a couple liberties with uh dramatic license buddy that that's, that's bring back i'm listening to that and i'm bringing i'm just transported back to uh some great childhood memories there that's one of my favorite episodes I believe the Yan- he's playing the Yankees in that episode, isn't he? He may, and and he's he's uh, he Bugs Bunny is a heckler, 
And finally, the, the team just says, okay, if you think you can do it, why don't you play all by yourself? And he plays every position. And, of course, because he's Bugs Bunny, um, you know, he's, a god. he's the hero of the game. But even though it sounded like Bugs Bunny, I assure you it was Johan Santana and Josh Toll. Trust me. Hey, trust me, folks. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we should trust you, but. <laughs> or not. Or not. Or not. What do I care? But uh, so uh, should we break the suspense here? There's no real audio. No, that of was, course that was it. No, that was it. I, you know, I, I look for stuff that's sort of different from the athlete himself or herself. If we get to a female athlete, um, there was nothing for there. There was a, a a quick like locker room speech after the no hitter, but it was like ten seconds, and it was just you know rah rah stuff. It was nice. He thanked his whole team and said, "I couldn't have done it without you," but. It didn't have that same je ne sais quoi that the other clips have had. So, you know, I'm not going to, but I can't let you go dry. Can't have a dry. Hey, Mr. Cuny, I think it was wonderful what you just did there. I think it's fantastic. Uh, you know, this is just professional uh, right. production that you're putting on here for our fan base. And, and, you know, for me, I'm a huge fan. Like I said, I always say it in the intro. Your favorite honcho and mine. And you come through again. And, you know, like and I said, I, and- and I like not telling you about the clips, you know. That's probably the best part of my of my prep for the week is what clips can I put in? Now that I have the roadcaster again, thank you to Grace Chan, the unluckiest woman in the world, for <laughs> providing me with this wonderful piece of equipment. Yeah, hold on. In fact, this is this is for her. She's, she's, you know. Can I, she's, I'd like to thank her. I'd right like to now. thank her as well, Rob, because it's uh, it's alleviated me from doing any extra production work here before the show. So thank you. Yes, because I would send Paul like you know five minutes before the show. Hey, let's put this video clip in. Like it's just something you just push play and it, you know it's it's a, it's not that easy. No, I'd have to copy and paste YouTube links, yeah. and then I'd have to scroll over and get the time that he wanted, and have to queue yeah. it up, and then I got to set up the Bluetooth fight. here on a roadcaster on my end here. Oh, what a pain in the ass. But I've alleviated that, so. All right. We ready so, to roll? Yeah. We ready to roll into headlines? We're ready. We're ready to kick We're ready. Out. Okay, we'll boys. Boys, you guys ready? All right, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Woohoo! It's time for headlines that make you do lines. Right here on the Sports Hot Shows. The openings of openings before we get into sports, of course. Take it away, Mr. Cuny. What do you have for this evening? All right, so before we get to the new headlines, just a, a quick follow-up um, from last week's uh, Oscars talk, the Will Smith oh, slap on ground world. Come backwards again. Uh, well, just real quick, you know, here at the Honchos, we like to provide a, something a little different every now and then. You know, the Gags gang. I let them out of the basement, and they gathered for their a little roundtable discussion. They gathered some of the cast members from Seinfeld together, Jason Alexander and Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Jerry Seinfeld himself, so they could discuss um, whether or not the slap heard around the world was real or, or fake, and our microphones were there. And so let's hear that before we dive into the rest of the news. How do you know? I know. I can tell. It's one of my powers. <laughs> Why, do you have a fake? Of course. Really? You fake? On occasion. And the guy never knows? Yeah. How can he not know that? Because I was good. <laughs> I guess after that many beers, he's probably a little groggy anyway. 
<laughs> you didn't know. You didn't know. Are you saying <clears throat> I think I'll have a piece of cake with me? Well, you faked with me? Yeah. You faked with me? Yes. No. Yeah. You faked it. I faked it. That whole thing, the whole production, it was all an act. Not bad, huh? <laughs> what about the breathing, the panting, the moaning, the screaming? Fake, 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 fake. I'm stunned. I'm shocked. How many times did you do this? Uh, all the time. All the time. We're going to have a truck with molten in here. I'm so good. I'm sure you are. Jerry, listen, it wasn't you. I just didn't have them back then. She faked. So there you go. So there's just some more. Uh, the debate. Did you, did you get? Did you get permission from Jerry and Larry to play that clip? Because I, I, you know, I want to get sued. Of course. You know, all of us Jews stick together. So. Okay. Oh. And you know, Passover is coming, so it's uh, it's not Another a day. Another Jewish of- holiday? Did yeah. you just have one? We, it's like we have them every year. That's why <laughs> that works. Every month. Yeah, isn't it wacky? All right, now let's get to some of the new headlines. All right, you ready? Shall I'm we? ready, Mr. Kuhn, Headline. as we say in the intro. Australian vegans are getting vasectomies to benefit the environment. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't write them. I just read them. Friend. I'm sorry, but I'm going to use that term, these people. These people make me nuts. Uh Anyone for penis? Yeah, I see what oh, you did there. We we're talking again. about we're talking about vasectomies, and you said they drive you nuts. No. <laughs> did you know that Australia has the second highest rate of vasectomies in the world? Way to go, Australia! And now it looks like there's a growing trend among vegans to get the snip in order to quote benefit the environment. According to a Focus on ABC, speaking to Focus on ABC Radio, Dr. Nick Demadiak. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name, a.k.a. Dr. Snip, performs just over a tenth of the vasectomies recorded in Australia. He said that there has been an increase of 18 to 28-year-old men. 18? What are you doing getting a vasectomy at 18? Anyway, I, I, I continue. Particularly vegans opting for vasectomies in order to cut down the population and consumption. We've moved on from having two, three, four kids, having no kids or one child, and having a vasectomy because of the environmental impacts they perceive that the human race is causing, Dr. Demadiak explained. Some people are very concerned about overpopulation, and they describe having a child as being worse than a full year of you reusing and recycling. So a lifetime of reusing, recycling. So now they're really limiting their family size without having the one-child policy to them, doing it voluntarily to one child. As if there were st- definitive studies. And why Australia has such a high rate of getting the SNP, Dr. D, I'll just call him Dr. D, said that while no such study has been conducted, it's likely correlated to Australia's approach to education. You find that as populations become educated, the acceptance of the SNP becomes higher and higher with time, he added. Dr. D also explained that different countries have vastly different feelings on vasectomies, which is an influential factor when looking at rates around the world. There are some cultural, different cultural barriers, he began. So in Europe, in France, Italy, Spain, it was illegal. In fact, it was illegal in France to get a vasectomy until about 2001 because it was thought of as male genital mutilation. So Hmm. there you go. Uh, Well, isn't it anyway? That's not an incorrect term. Getting a vasectomy to 
be environmentally conscious. But still, 18. Eight, well, you 18 know, in life, you got it. 18 in life, you go. Scary. 18. Um, do you need parent permission? I guess not if you're 18. Well, I don't know. Australia might have different rules. Well, they do things that definitely down in Australia. Yeah. All right. So before we cause an international incident by trying our Australian accents, story number G'day, two. Good brother. Your chicken tenders. I had some tonight. A police matter. Since some citizens remain confused about the proper use of the 911 system, a reminder, do not call the police emergency line if you have encountered a chicken difficulty at KFC. On Tuesday evening, Lisa Castro called 911 to report being, quote, upset because she only got four pieces of chicken instead of eight. And that the manager of a KFC in suburban Cleveland, Ohio, won't give her the rest of the chicken. The 62-year-old Castro, a no relation, I imagine, uh, who lives about two miles from the KFC in Euclid, asked for an officer to be dispatched to the restaurant saying she'd be waiting in a Dodge SUV. Um, upon arriving at the KFC, a Euclid Police Department officer explained to Castro that her chicken beef was, quote, uh, chicken beef, I get it, was, quote, not a police matter, according to a call report that classified the incident as a civil matter. No charges were filed in connection with the 911 call. While we are here to serve the public, an incorrect drive-through order is not a police matter, said Police Chief Scott Meyer. The police report does not provide details of Castro's order, but it appears to have involved chicken tenders. So, please, friends, don't call 911 if you've been shorted uh, your proper amount of chicken tenders. Man, people just call 911 for anything these days. Anything but real emergencies. Yes, and now, speaking of emergencies, and, you know, maybe even chicken tenders, headline, Southwest Passenger. Hey, this is perfect for people traveling this spring break. Southwest Passenger arrested for masturbating four times. Oh, come on, man. During flight. Four times. I'm going to have to start wearing a helmet on this show. A man on a Southwest Airlines flight from Seattle to Phoenix. So Seattle to Phoenix, four times. That's not a long flight. If it's D.C. to California, is five hours, so do the math. Is facing federal charges. I got to tell you, imagine going to federal prison for doing this. For well, pulling they'll, down have more, they'll have more quality time. Sure, well, hold on. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. For uh, pulling down his pants and masturbating at least four times in front of a female passenger beginning shortly after takeoff, according to a criminal complaint first obtained by the Daily Beast. Antonio Sherrod McGarity was arrested by officers from the Phoenix Police Department when Southwest Flight 3814 landed at Sky Harbor International Airport on Saturday. The complaint states, however, McGarity told cops that he didn't do anything wrong and, in fact, quote, thought it was kind of kinky. Uh, the incident started early on in the three-hour – see, it's a three-hour flight, four times in three hours. When McGarity commenced his indelicate behavior, the filing alleges, McGarity was seated in seat 11F. And the female witness was seated in seat 11E, the complaint states. Shortly after taking off and while the aircraft was in the air, McGarity exposed his penis by pulling down his pants and shorts and began masturbating. When the female seated next to him noticed the lewd behavior, and this is where the story starts to go off the rails. When the female seated next to him noticed the lewd behavior, she began taking pictures, not a picture, but pictures, plural of McGarity, when he fell asleep after masturbating for roughly an hour. Good Lord. The female passenger told a crew member about what she had witnessed and was allowed to move to another seat. Now, I have to say, normally, on a Southwest flight, there are no other seats. You're all packed in there like sardines. Not a single seat is available. The complaint states that when Southwest Airlines flight landed, Phoenix police officers interviewed the woman who reiterated that she had seen McGarity masturbating on four separate occasions using both his left and right hands. Impressive. Ambidextrous. 
McGarity was also interviewed by FBI agents who allegedly admitted to his in-flight behavior. McGarity advised he asked the female witness if she minded if he masturbates, the complaint states. According to McGarity, the female witness put her hands in the air and said, eh, it really doesn't matter. I find that that nugget a little bit hard to believe. McGarity thought the response was kind of kinky and believed the female was comfortable with him masturbating, the complaint adds. Uh, he has now been slapped with a lifetime ban. Shocking. And, yeah, he has a lifetime. But only on, the, on Southwest. He can fly other airlines, though, right? Well, yes, but he's on their no-fly list. He has a lifetime ban from traveling on Southwest. And, of course, it's not the first time that Southwest has been involved in something like this. Uh, last year, it was a pilot who was arrested and charged with the same thing. Um, and the Federal Aviation Administration last year launched a whopping 991 investigations into passenger disturbances, a 441% increase over 2020. So, uh, in 2022, there have been so far uh, 1,035 newly passengers, according to the FAA. So, so all the all, are they all people who masturbated? Oh no, these are just disturbances. No, oh, okay, it'd be wow. quite extraordinary if it was that many. I don't know. I mean, you know, if it's a trend, maybe it's something we got to try. I mean, if everybody's doing it in I the just... air, you know. I mean, I've, we've all heard about the Mile High Club and all that other stuff, but. Yeah, this is your own Mile High Club. I, I realize that this person's probably uh, not quite there mentally, but it's it just it takes a certain kind Maybe of someone. He's, he's just lonely, Bob. To say, well, you know, at least he asked, "Hey, do you mind if I drop anchor and pull my own pud?" And I'm sure the woman said sure because she thought he was just you know joking, and then was horrified, but not horrified, so horrified that she couldn't take her phone out and take a picture. Now, question. Before we move on to, you know, less icky stuff. Um, was it vertical video or was it horizontal video? Yes. That's important. It's, it is very important. I don't want to know because that would involve me seeing the pictures. But I hope it was glorious letterbox, high definition, horizontal video. All right. This is what I want you to do on your spring break. All right. I want, to take, I want you to take some time. No. And yeah. I want you to reflect. And I want you to remember these, what I'm going to ask you. I have a request. Mm-hmm. When you come back. Yes. Like fire up the honchos again, okay? For at least two to three months, can you not bring up any penis stuff? No, you love it. I'm, I, re- I can't, <laughs> can't do it. I'm not worried about me. It's, it. it's the fans out there. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. Can you make that request one more time? Actually, here's my real response to that request. I get letters from all over America saying thank you for allowing. Yeah, from the nut jobs who like to do that stuff. Hey, nut jobs. I see what you did there. (laughs) 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 All right, let's start this sports program right now and let's talk a little. College. Oops, baby. Title of this week's Hachos episode is Oops. But there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my God, Rob sang it about it 20 times over and over before we went live. And uh, it's bad enough that Britney Spears sang it. To hear Mr. Cooney sing it, that's just another experience altogether. Anyway, it's the March Madness tournament is over. And Paulie, your favorite hot show, was so close. It's UNC. It was so close. They were crushing it at halftime. And then I got to tell you, full marks to Kansas. Hell of a comeback. Congratulations. Well, before we get into the men's tournament, um, a hearty, a hearty sports honchos congratulations to the University of South Carolina 
for defeating UConn um, in the women's championship game. So uh, uh, nobody cares about the women's tournament. Come uh, on, uh, all of you out there who are right now banging out a, a angry email to the Ghost Force Media Company. Hey, I, I, it's just, just the truth. It's not necessarily me. The, the NCAA doesn't even care no. about them. You know what? But I'm just I'm, I'm still going to tell you that Don Staley becomes the first black coach, male or female to take any team to win two national championships, whether it's men's or women's. And Gino Oriema, the UConn coach, was a whopping 12-0 and 0, uh, in NCAA title games. And now he's 12-1. and 1. So a big, a hearty congratulations uh, to Don Staley and the University of South Carolina. Also in the uh, famous alumni bracket, which I know I still haven't posted on Twitter, uh, Paul Rudd. Is your big winner? Is wow, your big? Fan. I like that guy. Hey, Paul Rudd from the University of Kansas, your big fat nice. winner. All right, so uh, Kansas, your 2022 national champion, beating North Kakalaki, uh, 72 to 69. It was quite the entertaining game. It was certainly. Uh, it looked at various times like it was going to be a blowout on one side or the other. And by the way, how'd you like the Rory Williams Bowl? Roy Williams, the former he, the two men that succeeded Williams at his last two coaching stops, Bill Self at Canvas, Hubert Davis, North Carolina, facing each other uh, in the championship game. The nice thing about this game, there was no, it wasn't David versus Goliath. There was no evil empire. It was just two teams, two likable teams, two likable coaches. So you could, unless you have a rooting interest, you went to Kansas, North Carolina, you could watch this game and actually just watch for the basketball. But as I said, First, North Carolina got out to their 15-point lead. At one point, it was 16, so Kansas now is the record for the biggest deficit overcome in a championship game and the biggest halftime deficit overcome, 16 and 15, respectively. Then the second half begins, and Kansas did what Kansas does, like they did to Miami um, in the Elite Eight. They raced out to a to uh, to tie it up okay, and then took a lead, and then you thought, all right, well, this is it. They're going to they're gonna treat North Carolina like they treated the University of Miami. And then North Carolina claws all the way back. And they got, you know, it's a, North Carolina plays a very short bench, just like Villanova does. But this kid, Puff Johnson, great name, by the way, Puff. Apparently it's from cereal that he gets named Puff. He came off the bench, hit some big shots. And it came down, not to a buzzer beater, but it came down to an interesting uh, final minute or so where – uh, there in in the Duke game, which was the Duke UNC game, which was an extraordinary game. And now, by the way, North Carolina, hang your head, hold your head high. Do not hang your heads because in in Tar Heel country, winning the national championship is great. I mean, they've done it six plus times already. But you not only ruined the last game at Cameron Indoor for old Mike Krizwicki, but you ended his his NCAA tournament run. Everyone was talking about, all right, Duke's going to... ...hold our beer. And uh, remember what we did to you in the last game at Cameron? We're going to do it to you again. Um, and their, their big man, Baycott, Armando Baycott, who had a, the double-double machine, rolls his ankle in that game. 48 hours later, here he is playing, gets 15 points, 15 rebounds, He's holding their big man. That battle between McCormick and Baycott was one of the highlights of the game. And then it's 70 to 69. And 
Baycott rolls his ankle the same ankle again. And at that point, you just all the air went out of the building if yes. you were a Carolina yes. fan. Um, what I thought was really – I don't know if it was good sportsmanship or it was just Kansas was kind of stunned. But when Baycott is, is, is limping around under his own basket – and everyone else is down the court. And it's now a five on four. Hey, it was like a uh, it was like a power play in hockey. It's five on four on the other end. Kansas had a chance to to you know slam the door in North Carolina and, and kind of go in there um, and score you know five on four, but they didn't. They kind of just passed the ball a couple times, waited for Baycott to hobble down to their end, and then the ref uh, called a timeout because apparently the rule is. If North Carolina was in the process of taking a shot, they weren't going to stop the game for an injury. But if they're kind of at a standstill, at a natural yes. stopping point, they will stop. But I, I don't know if they intentionally did that out of good sportsmanship or they just were kind of like, hey, what's happening here? But either way, it was just I, – I was not expecting the ball just to stop and let Baycott, you know – And may I add, the, over. the basketball that they used in that game was incredibly bright. I love it. Yeah. Um but then it was 72-69, no. So then poor Brady Manick, who was who it, it was like the walking wounded out there. Brady Manick, who was slightly concussed, I think, from either the Duke game or the Baylor game. But he had the the misfortune of trying to guard their big man, David McCormick, who's, you know, a one-man wrecking machine. That again, that battle between McCormick and Baycott was uh one of the highlights of the game. But then it, it, that's a total mismatch. McCormick goes in, scores over Brady Manick, and then you've got 72-69. And all Kansas has to do now, because North Carolina goes, runs down the court, takes a, launches a three-pointer way earlier than they had to, and you think, all right, this is great. Kansas gets the ball. They missed. They call a timeout. Kansas has the ball. All I got to do is inbound the ball, and then the, the parade of fouls will begin, and it'll end up being a five- or six-point game. But then uh, the guy for Kansas – I can't remember who was inbounding the ball, inbounds it to Harris, who then steps out of bounds with four seconds left. So there's new life. There was new life. You thought, okay, this, the way this game was going, North Carolina was going to tie the game uh, and we were going to go into overtime. It was just that kind of back and forth game. Every time you thought a team was going to run away and hide, the other team came back. Uh, But obviously that didn't happen. Um, Caleb Love took a shot that was just, I mean, they were set. You could see they were trying to set up for a different shot. And I think he just, I don't want to say panic, but he just decided to take the shot rather than one, one or two more passes to get a better look at the basket. It didn't go in. Kansas wins. They're a deserving champion. Um, But one thing we saw on display, and I talked about this last week, is the proliferation of the three-point shot you're going to live by it. You're going to die by it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the backfield, backfield, the backcourt for North Carolina, Davis and Love went one for 13 on threes and 10 for 41, 10. Now, of course, they also out-rebounded Kansas 55 to 35, and they were getting all the offensive boards from all the shots they were missing. Their second chance points were off the charts, which is what kept Carolina in this game. You can't win when you're, shooting 41 times and only sinking 10 of them and going one for 13 on threes. Um, but that aside, it was a great game. No buzzer beaters, but that's just the flow of the game back and forth. I will say this. And Please I'm, do. I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name. The only thing I, I didn't like about the game was um, Obajai. I, 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 he was named most outstanding player. 
and I know I'm, I'm crushing his name. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Kansas can write and complain. To me, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, you got you got to include the actual Final Four, the actual championship game. He was kind of a non-factor. Yes, he was Big 12 Player of the Year. He was their best player all season, but he was a non-factor in the championship game. I would have given it to McCormick. I would have given it to Remy Martin, who came off the bench and hit a bunch of clutch threes. I would have given it to Christian Brown, who had a double-double himself and always seemed to be hitting big shots and getting the big rebound. So other than that, other than who they gave the most outstanding player to, um, I have, there's nothing to, to quibble about. And now Bill Self has two championships. Now he has sort of separated himself from a whole lot of people with that second championship. I would have handed an MVP out to the, actually the guy, the NCAA staff member who actually went out and purchased that basketball. Because <laughs> you like the bright orange basketball, I know. I tell you, man. But it, 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 it was just so colorful. Mm-hmm. And it, it, everything. And by the way, Miss Kuhn, if you should get an analyst job. That's phenomenal. Uh, that's phenomenal uh, uh, analysis there, and Thank you. Uh, a recap. It's really good stuff. Thank you. And if, and if more, even the NBA, if they had that bright orange basketball, I just think it it makes the game a lot more fun to follow. Yeah. When you see that basketball lit up like that in that bright orange color, and that to me. It's the memory I'm going to take home from, from this NCAA championship. This March Madness final was the basketball that was used for this championship game. Were you a um, Were you a fan of when was it Fox or was it ESPN that had the glowing hockey puck? I think it was Fox. Were you a fan of the glow the glowing puck so fans could follow the action? No, it was a shit show, man. Yeah, it was okay. Just you know, I I like what TNT's doing now. They put like the the power play, what's left in the power play on the ice. And uh, they do a couple of things. I mean, other than that, no, I don't. Uh, we, we don't need any of that stuff. They tried. They, you know, yeah. I, you know, I was the only. Let's I try was forget about that, that. That the game was not on CBS. Normally, it's on. It was on TBS and TNT, which is fine. I like the 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 presentation was good. You know, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill. They're they're fabulous together. The shot clock. I don't know how many how long they've been doing this, but you reminded me when you said the power play time left on the ice. The shot clock, as it went down to ten seconds or less, they would have the time remaining right there on the court, like a big circle on the court. Yes, love that stuff. Um, it was, you know, good production as always. The whole TBS, TNT, CBS, True TV crew, um, they did a great job. And just like that, you know, the tournament for a tournament that lasts three weeks, done, it, it seems to end in a flash. Over. Yeah, and now we're on to uh, to next year, and you know, who knows where these two teams will be next year. Um, they were, by the way, also two experienced teams, not very deep. Well, Kansas was deep, but North Carolina not deep, but they, they were older and experienced. And, you know, we see what happens. I haven't done the uh, the deep dive into this, but I feel like the teams with the one-and-dones, the more one-and-dones you have, the more pro-ready freshmen you have on your team, the less chance you have of actually winning the whole thing. I know Carmelo Anthony did it 18 years ago. And Anthony Davis did it with Kentucky, you know, about ten years ago or so. But really, it's it seems to be the experienced teams with players you may have heard of um, that will have good pro careers, not great pro careers, that seem to win these things. You still got to be a team, you know. We you can't just throw a bunch of all stars together and say, "All right, go out and win." It just, you know, doesn't work that way. As we well, see do you know? Do you know what's what's the average age here of uh, these players in in the March Madness? Uh, if you're a team like Duke, the average age is like 19. Um, the University of Miami, on the other hand, 
their average age was 23. They had graduate students on that team. Wow. A team like that gets as far as they do because they've been playing together for so long. I'm sure, you know, Kansas has a nice mix um, of older and younger players. But I would say, you know, the average age is probably, for most teams, 20. I'm guessing. I don't know. But, well, the reason but, I bring up the age thing is, is more than anything, especially watching uh, the championship game, is is so impressed by the, you know, look, I think you bring, bring up a great point as far as uh, this, some of these last games, some of the decision. We talked about it last week in terms of coaching plans, uh, egos, remember the kids, we were talking about that too in terms of the decisions they make as far as three-pointers and, and um, handling all this, playing on such a big stage at such a young age. And that championship game, and it pretty much happens every year. If you sit back and you roll the tape and everything else, you see it. But I'm, I'm, I am impressed by the, um, the quality of the players at that age. You know, and I'll be honest with you too. You know, I, I don't particularly know how many of these guys. Let's just stay with the final four teams and the final two teams. Which guys are going to move on to NBA careers? And I don't know what the percentage of the numbers is of of the amount of kids that play in the March Madness tournament that actually become NBA players. Um, right. I'm sure it's 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 less than more, you know, right. and then and then finally if they do go on to have um you know, they have to be incredible stars, you know, guys like Michael Jordan that kind of stuff in terms of like, you know, oh, remember him or um how he played in that tournament and history and all that other stuff. Um but most of these guys will fade into never neverland. Like you'll never hear about Probably most of the guys who played in that championship game, unless they get an NBA slot and then, uh, uh, you know. Coaches. A lot of them will become coaches somewhere. But well, it's amazing, right? Some of them will, will, will resurface as coaches. And I'd say that's also probably true or definitely true. Maybe it's a little obvious in, in terms of um, college football, too. I mean, yep. you have the studs and the stars that will get drafted, and then some will have great careers in the NFL. But there's when you, when you look at the body of uh, students and the amount of players – uh, throughout the college ranks in terms of teams, because the numbers of teams obviously are, are extensive. A lot of these guys don't make it. They go on to be doctors and lawyers and, you know, Burger King. Um, <laughs> I would hope not after a college uh, education. But anyway, uh, that's a long way to, for me to say very impressed with the quality of the kids and their, and their play on the court. I'm sure educationally we don't know what's happening off the court because we've, we've gone back and forth and talked about this over the years in terms of college sports and what they all really care about. But anyway, all in all, great tournament and some fine young men playing a great game. Yep. And congrats to everybody that was involved, and good luck to all of them in the future. Yep, and if you if you watch it, I mean, obviously there are players that they talk about all year as being, uh, you know, top draft picks and such, but you're right. To sort of piggyback on what you said before we move on, if you watch just to watch the best in college not the best basketball players, you know, compared to the NBA, but just the best in college playing each other. And you sort of look at it from that perspective, it sort of raises the level of everything. You really do appreciate how good these guys are. You, you don't look at you don't think about the NBA. You say these guys are the best in the country coming out of high school. And, you know, the 12th guy on the bench for Kansas and the 12th guy on the bench for UNC are still much, much better <laughs> than most of the people playing in high school. You know, and, and yes, we may never hear from them again. But we're hearing from now, you know, we're looking at we're still filtering down from thousands and thousands and thousands of kids who play high school basketball to, you know, the 24. If you just go by the tournament, the 24 best, you know, uh, scholastic achievers uh, in basketball. And that's, you know, impressive enough. It's, you know, it's not everybody gets to play college ball at the highest level and not everybody gets to start 
you know, starting for Kansas, starting for North Carolina, starting for Duke, whomever, all the blue bloods, takes a lot of talent. It's not just if you get it's not just NBA or bust. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Yes, that would be great. There's only fifteen, there's only twelve to fifteen guys on a basketball team. So if you're starting for a team playing for the national championship and you may never play at the next level again, that's still a tremendous achievement. I think sometimes it's good that you said what you did because I think sometimes people overlook the fact that you're looking at a, a very small group of people who are good enough to play college basketball. Forget the pros. Yeah. You know, they're going to make it on the, they're going to get on national TV. They're well known in their college towns, but whether they go to the NBA or not doesn't matter because look at what they've achieved already. And if you, I think too many people minimize getting to college, say, well, it's all about the NBA and, 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 you know, will they, will you be a superstar one day? For a lot of these kids, I'm sure they'd love to go to the NBA. In fact, all of them would love to go to the NBA, but hopefully they're satisfied knowing, well, I may not have gotten the NBA, but look, I was a starter in a major college program. I got my face on TV, got to play in the tournament, maybe even won. So it's good that you, what you said, I think more people should recognize. And it's all the more reason why it's a lot, it's very heartbreaking for a lot of these young kids when they do get eliminated. I mean, when they cry, I mean, when, when when pro athletes cry, sometimes I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, because all they got to do is open their eyes, open their phone up and check out their bank account and everything goes away. The pain goes away. But when these kids, when these (laughs) college kids in the tournament, when they cry, I mean, that's real emotion. They got to go to trigonometry on Tuesday. Right. They're thinking, I I have to go back to class now? That sucks. I was just on ESPN and TNT, and now I gotta now I gotta write an essay. Come yep. on! But our yep. last thing before we uh, maybe it is a good segue into our our hold on guys, our NFL <laughs> analyst specialists are standing by. The orange basketball again. No, hold on. The basketball. Hear me yes. Out. Oh, they should incorporate that into the US, uh, the new USFL. Right? Uh, they're playing that one in Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, Birmingham. Oh, exactly. All um, the games. And they should they should have an orange football as sure. bright as that one, and if it goes over well, bring that bring that sucker into the NFL. I think it would be great to guys to go back and have a glowing orange football flying in the air. It's like the old ABA basketball that was red, white, and blue. Have a red, white, and blue football for the USFL. No, but see the bright is it's, it's very you can pick that up on TV. It just stands out. No. Okay. You can't do a bright orange puck on the white ice for, for hockey. It doesn't work. All right. But the bright but, but orange. We'll, um, we'll take that up at the next USFL support group meeting. Did I tell you how I felt about the orange basketball? In uh, I, you've been very subtle about it. I wish you would just come right out <laughs> and tell me your thoughts about the bright orange. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk some NFL here again on the sports honchos. Nowhere near the National Football League season. But anyway, come on in, guys. Ready? Step up to the mic. Here we go. Al, you old son of a bitch. How you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? This is very exciting. Yeah, it is, fella. Oh, right on, amigo. Damn straight. Damn straight. Fucking A. Fucking A, right. Ah! Ah! Uh, It always puts a smile on my face. Now, we only have one story, just one, just one, and of course, it um, it involves your friend and mine, this guy. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, first of all, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, that's all right. right. Oh, wait, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I apologize for having to ask you this, but 
Can you set up the whole reason why he said that at that particular press conference? Okay, so it was uh, January 6th, 2020. Um, the football season was over, and the, the Redskins, because that's what they were at that time, were introducing Ron Rivera as the new coach of the Redskins. Uh, so there's there's so Dan Snyder gets up there. He doesn't really speak a lot in public for obvious reasons because he starts a press conference with, you know, something like this. Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So the, the two... Which is a f- phenomenal Ted Lasso impression, by the way, by him there. The, um, the two <laughs> thoughts here are... He he meant to say Happy New Year because it was January 6th, and he said Happy Thanksgiving, which seems odd because it's a hard mistake to make. Or the last game that Rivera coached was a loss to the Redskins after Thanksgiving. And so the Panthers' loss was the Skins' gain, ah. and people thought that's the comment he was making. I will tell you, um, I don't have – I wish I had this. I'd thought of this sooner, or, or but I, there's a clip now when Rivera was introducing Carson Wentz as the new commander's quarterback, he um, he started off by saying, hey, first just want to say happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> um, and then he quickly, he, he made it sound less bitchy than it, than it was, but it was very funny. Um, and everybody in the press room laughed um, about it because he was calling back to what Snyder said. So we're not really sure exactly what happened, but again, he doesn't speak much in public. Um, it's just not his bag, so... That's why he was saying happy Thanksgiving. So why is this horrible owner and his expansion football team back in the, the news? Skins? All right, so we all know that for the last seemingly decade, but in the last couple of years, the commander skins have been embroiled in this sexual misconduct scandal now being investigated by Congress. And there's been allegations and, you know, women coming forward talking about workplace bullying. He's only got to hold out, what, six, right. seven more months. It'll right. all go away. And I'm not, I'm not minimizing it. By any stretch, and just sort of saying this has been going on for a couple of years. But now the and and the speculation around here, of course, is every time something happens with Snyder, the, the populace in this neck of the woods is wondering when the NFL will finally get rid of him. Unfortunately, uh, this kind of thing, as bad as it is, doesn't rise to the level of getting rid of the owner. But now the latest allegations stemming from this congressional allegation are financial improprieties and the kind of financial improprieties that get an owner terminated. And specifically, there's an agreement in the NFL that every team, after they collect their uh, gate revenue, so just the money they make from the people in attendance, um, the NFL gets 40% of that, and then they redistribute it amongst all the teams. We're not talking about a lot of money. Like for, for for instance, for the commander skins, it's not. It's a it, lot of money if you build it, ain't filled. It's it's chump change because I think it's like a million bucks. Um, so you know, over the course of the entire season, that would go back to the NFL. Whatever it is, it, it's to us regular folks seems like a tremendous amount of money. To billionaire owners, it's not um, that much, but it's still it's still. A violation of their bylaws and you know you can be a sexual predator and you can be semi-racist not that dan snyder is but he's being alleged as being a sexual predator you can have a bullying toxic workplace environment all you want because i'm sure there are some owners that are thinking well they just haven't figured out that we have the same sort of uh toxic bullying workplace you can be a bad owner you can be a, a snyder a jimmy haslam a, a jim ursa you, you can be a terrible owner 
and none of that will, will, will get you booted. But you start taking money out of the other, other owner's pockets, then they're going to sit up and notice and say, all right, this guy has to go. The problem with these allegations is they're just that. They're allegations. There have been no, no proof has been offered of this. Um, it was done by a, 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 what some would say a disgruntled former executive with the team that was fired uh, a couple years ago. And he's uh, corroborated a story of one of the women that came forward recently that said, you know, Snyder made some unwanted advances. So he corroborated her story. And then he provided testimony to Congress saying that, you know, the skins are cooking the books and there's, they're not given, they're holding back money they're supposed to give to the NFL. So there's no evidence to that. And to do so would be virtually impossible to pull off. Mm-hmm. And this is a team, look, you can say a lot of things about the commander skins as an organization. Clever is not one of them. So there are, I'm looking through the, uh, the story now. There's, there, each team is audited by the NFL Players Union. It's audited by independent auditors um, every so often. Like not when I don't mean like every decade, but you know every year or so. Um, so you have to prove that you have. So when the league looks at your books, and I don't want to get do too deep a dive into accounting. Okay. But when the league the league looks at uh, the number of tickets sold, gate reports, um, the money comes into the league. They see how much money comes in. It gets certified by outside accountants, and then they expect whatever that forty percent is to come back to the league after they've looked at your books. So to pull off, I'm, I'm looking, reading an article from the athletic by Daniel Kaplan, uh, to pull off the quote, to pull off the scam Snyder is alleged to have undertaken. Uh, the owner would need a fake manifest and fake gate receipts, not impossible, but I can't see it be hidden for more than a year unless their auditor totally fucked up. But this is according to, <laughs> um, Frank Hawkins, who is the NFL senior vice president of business affairs. So uh, to cut through all the accounting gobbledygook, you have to have real account, real books, and a, a whole uh, sort of extravagant network of fake books in order to pull this off. And this is a team that couldn't spell the name London Fletcher when they <laughs> honored him on London Fletcher Day. They, it was London Flector. This is a team that doesn't know how to retire jerseys. Uh, the, the the list of things they've done that are dumb, and we've gone through some of them here. I can't imagine a team that this dumb. I mean, they're perpetually the dopes of the week. How they could possibly pull this scheme off? If, if it's true, he's done. <laughs> if he really is hiding money, even if it's a nickel, he's finished. Because once you start taking money out of the owner's pockets, you're out. That's the uh, We'll look at it as that's the positive side. If it's true, he's done and this town rejoices. Here's the negative side that's been talked about this week. Um if it's not true, if it's another allegation that doesn't stick or doesn't get Snyder out, mm-hmm. he's starting to look, God help us for saying this, he's starting to look like a sympathetic character. <laughs> because if you start throwing these allegations out and, and it's none of, you can't connect them back to Snyder or worse, they're not true, then each successive allegation, people are going to start thinking, you're just picking on him now. So, uh, you know, this is... It's out there. It's another law, you know, and you can say, well, there's... Well, let me ask you, how do you want this to go? You, I, you want them gone, go. right? I would, I would love for something to, to finally have the owner, other owners say, you gots to go. 
you know. Right. But but not at the harm of other people. No, no. I, I don't I, – well, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the allegations of a toxic work environment and sexual harassment are true. Not against Snyder. I'm sure people – I mean, it's already – some people have already admitted to some rather unsavory acts. Mm-hmm. But nothing has been – only this one allegation of, you know, a hand on a thigh and being guided into a limousine is the only direct allegation against Snyder. And the improprieties – I'm sure Snyder has people that take care of the accounting for him. It still hasn't been – there first of all, there's no evidence, period. But there's certainly no evidence that Snyder had anything to do with this. And I know you say, well, he's the owner of the team, but you still have to, you know, you still have to tie it back to him. The owners aren't going to say, well, one of your lackeys did it, so you're done. I'm sure Snyder can just fire whomever it was that does the accounting if it turns out they, you know, maybe it was a mistake. Again, we don't know. We have no idea. It's just allegations by a, a guy who was fired by Snyder who seems to have an axe to grind against the commander skins. So if it turns out to not be true, that helps Snyder kind of dig his heels in because now he can play the victim himself. Um, so I don't know where this is going to go, but it's it's another tease. For those of us that are just waiting with bated breath for him to be kicked out of the league, it's just another tease. But these stories keep coming down the pike, and this investigation was dead. This whole issue was dead and buried until Bruce Allen – or whomever, or I'm sorry, until Dan Snyder or whomever leaked the Bruce Allen emails that got John Gruden fired, and then Congress got involved. This whole thing was going away, far away, and then, you know, the emails about that eventually exposed John Gruden. Hey, Snyder's and, only got a hope for that, uh, you know, Merrick Garland or Robert Mueller investigating him, and he'll never find anything. I'll tell you, the, the wisdom around here is that if he can hold out... <laughs> Until the midterm elections, exactly. When the, when the red wave comes in, it's Republicans are in charge of Congress again. Um, they, he won't. This investigation will go away because if you read about the, the Democrats are you know hard charging into this, and the Republicans on the on this committee, this oversight committee that's investigating Snyder and the Skins, is they're kind of like, there's no evidence here. What are we doing? Why are we wasting our time? Move on. Um, Move along. Yeah. Next item, please. We will move along from that. That's it. That's all the football news. I mean, you know, we could talk I mean, about genocide going on across the other side of the world here. Yeah. Eh, this is nothing. We know, but this, this is, is not nothing. the look the other the, way. We're an escape. We are not a news organization. We provide an escape. We provide you problems that aren't that meaningful so you can no, forget but about okay, our commentary is relevant to the topic that you're bringing up as far as things are going on around us in society. Yeah, the grand scheme of things, who cares? But yes, we don't. That's not. <laughs> if if that were the case, we would be like, well, no podcast because life is too serious. It is too serious. You're too it serious. Is. Why are you getting all serious on me? You're the one who's saying, you know, me? Those, you know, with all the things that are happening in the world, why why do we care about this? Well, you know, we got to care about something. I care about you, Rob. I care about you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for football today. That's it. I mean, Some Snyder news, huh? Contracts Stephon Diggs got, but, you know, more money being paid to players, great, who cares? All right, pal. That's well, well, that's, uh, you know, you know but, where it's getting hot and heavy. But before, but before we go, oh. just remember. Good afternoon. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. All right, now we can move on to it. Man, it's, it's so crazy. He sounds just like Ted Lasso in that. It's oh. the first time really kind of. So know. just imagine Jason Sudeikis yeah. standing. 
if they're introducing Ron Rivera as head coach. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Good stuff. All right, pal, let's go to the ice, the hardwood, and the diamonds. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, maybe a little boring there in the NFL. There's nothing really going on. But the playoff race in the NHL and the NHBA, I don't even know how the NBA is working these days. But in hockey, it's getting hot. About 10 games left for everybody. Woo-hoo! And uh, baseball tomorrow, baby. 162 games on tap, baby. Woo! Rob's Washington Nationals. Going to give it a go this year. Not my watch. Oh, they're not yours. Oh, okay. Oh. But anyway, lots to talk about here. We'll try and stay uh, clear and straight through to the point. Mr. Cuny, where would you like to start? Would you like to start on, the, on the famous floors amongst the NBA uh, franchises? Do we want to Do we want to start smelling the fresh grass on the baseball yeah. fields? Or do we want to start on the ice tonight where your capitals are up? On the defending champions tonight, which is not going good for the Icelander fans. They need, they need the Bolts to win tonight. I'll let you, I, I like to start with the uh, with the ice, so you know you can uh, you can regale us with your hockey wisdom. Ah, my hockey wisdom. I don't know about that. Well, you know, let's just look at where things are right now, as far as, far as the standings are, and then you know we'll bounce it off of each other here. Whoever we think uh, things are going to end up. So anyway, uh, Florida's still on top here in the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference. I mean, your 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 top six teams, let's say seven eight teams here. You know, if the Capitals win tonight, they just it's another two points. I mean, I know the Islanders and the Caps play each other. There's just this there's this dreamy stuff going on in Islanders land. Uh, you know, with a, I think an eleven point differential here, that somehow some way they're going to catch. Um, Robert Cuny's Capitals. I just don't get, see it they, happening. It's 11 points they need. We're, we're still dreaming about catching Boston for the first wild card. I mean, we're not. that's not going to happen either. I tell you, man, I got a hint to the Bruins, man. The Bruins playing, I mean, hanging in there. I'm just kind of looking here at uh, what's going on here. But to, to just talk about the, I mean, see, the Islander fans, they have two games coming up against the Capitals, and I think they have a couple of games in hand. So they feel if they can beat the Caps – uh, get the four points and, you know, get it down to, say, seven seven points or something like that. I, it's it's a pipe dream. But anyway, uh, Caps looking good so far against the Bolts tonight, the defending champions. Uh, first period, 3-2. Uh, and a goal just got called back on the Capitals, uh, unfortunately, too. It was offside. So, uh, but that's it. I mean, look, nothing's really changed here for the last five, six months in the NHL. It's the Panthers. Uh, the Leafs playing great. Tampa's playing great. Carolina's playing great. Rangers playing great. Pittsburgh's playing and uh, they're they're hanging in there, and that's where you go in terms of the last three uh, out of the eight there: Pittsburgh, Boston, and Washington. And I don't care what anybody says; uh, the Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be fantastic because all eight teams are just great. If they're not young and exciting to watch, like Toronto and say maybe the Rangers are in Carolina um, and Florida, of course. Then you have the veterans in Pittsburgh. You got Sid, and you got. Uh, Marchin and Bergevin there in Boston, and you got the Caps. Ovi, give Ovi a you know, uh, another he, goal tonight. Another one for the uh, the record books. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So that's the East, and then you scroll down here to the Western Conference. Everybody out there listening, let's follow along here, okay? Uh, the Avs, and by the way, the Avs and the uh, Panthers are the only two teams that have clinched a spot right now. 
So the Avs, the Avs are so still... far ahead of the, <laughs> their the nearest rival. It's just they're just running away and hiding at this point. Yeah, I mean, so you got Minnesota and Calgary with 91 points behind uh, the Avalanche, 106 points. But as you know, and all of us NHL diehards know, the points that you have right now mean it diddly squat head. Zippo. Zippo, because first round of the playoffs, you know, look, you get Dallas, you get Nashville, you get L.A. I mean, however this thing kind of pans out, in a seven-game series, that's when the pressure's on, you get a hot goaltender. And that is the beauty the best round, you know, obviously the finals and stuff, but there's no doubt about it. the first round of the NHL playoffs is the best because it's total chaos. Yes, can't predict it. You know what it's like? It's like th- the day after Thanksgiving at Walmart. The playoffs <laughs> begin, and all the teams just smash into each other, and you can't predict it. You, well, you can predict it, but you also shouldn't. You should expect to be surprised, and that's you're right. That's when the hot goaltender comes out. Doesn't matter. As a Caps fan, I've seen this way too many times. The Caps come in after winning the President's Trophy as the best team in the league. Most points, they face the number eight seed with a hot goaltender, and it's good night, Irene, for the Capitals. So it, it doesn't – it gets a little tighter as you get towards the finals. But, but that opening round is glorious. Um, just every man, woman, and child for him or herself sort of hockey. And when the dust settles – then things sort of go according to plan. But that first round, as unpredictable as it is, that's what makes that sport so great. Yeah, and you, you know, after pretty... games, you you know, with basketball and with baseball and a little bit with football, you can kind of predict how things are going to go just from the regular seasons. But in hockey, you're like, just throw all the records away. That old cliche about throw out the records, it really does apply to hockey. It's the most random playoffs of the four majors, at least in the first round. Well, I tell you what, man, the baseball is going to be a little interesting this year. With the extra teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know if you're ready. Maybe we do some predictions here with the MLB. But uh, last thing here on the NHL, look, it's all about uh, who stays healthy right now, who gets hot. And, again, it doesn't matter, President's Trophy, how much you win. It's it's how you get out of the first round and go from there because, uh, you know, this is just where the NHL is and everybody watching along. And, um, yeah, in the West, you got Colorado, Minnesota, and Calgary, the three strongest teams. But, like I said, you got – you got some experience. They didn't, you know, it was only a little while ago that the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. What can Edmonton do? You're looking forward to seeing, uh, I mean, Dreisaitl and McDavid there. Um, big points, 50 goals, all that other stuff. Um, you know, you, you look forward to seeing them in the playoffs. Those those two guys in the Edmonton Oilers have so much to prove, uh, as much as the Leafs do up uh, on the eastern side you know, in terms of going there. But you got a, a L.A. Kings team that's going to probably get in the playoffs here, and you got Kopitar, and you got Quick, you know, and you got uh, Dowdy, and Car- you got some experienced guys uh, on like the ground. It's 15 all over again. Yeah, exactly, and and they know this is their last go at it here. And Nashville's a decent team, and, and now Dallas is playing of late, and, you know, what will Vegas do? Now, Vegas gets in, and they get stoned back, and now you got Eichel. And maybe Leonard comes back. I'm not sure if he's done for the season, but, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. But anyway, if you're a hockey fan, like I said, Christmas is almost here. Um, end of the month, last weekend of the regular season is the actually the last weekend of April, and things get started there first week of May, and we rock and roll. Let's bounce over to the NBA, sir. All right, now explain sir. to me again yes. the, how the frick do the playoffs work now? I mean, I know this team's clinch, uh, clinching playoff spots in the NBA right now. All right, and so 
you have your – it used to be, you know, the top eight went to the playoffs. Top eight in the conference, you're in the playoffs. Now it's ten. And the way it works, it's – it makes my brain hurt. The top six get in no play-in. You're in now. Then seven and eight, nine and ten are the ones at the play-in tournament. And just yeah. so you know, Rob, I'm, I'm actually looking along with the bracket right now. So I'm looking at this. And it, so, this looks beautiful, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, on the NBA app. It's absolutely gorgeous. So this seven, is great for me to follow along while you explain this. Go ahead. Right. Seven and ten will play each other, and eight and nine will play each other. And here's where it gets wonky, and I, I'm going to admit that I'm not quite sure, not clear on on how it works. If the higher seeds win the first game, so if seven beats ten, eight beats nine, the playoff they're they're both in the playoffs. If the lower seed wins, so ten beats seven, nine beats eight, there's another game. And I think they have to win that one, too, to get in the playoffs. So it's kind of like once seven and eight finally win. All right, so let's let's just one, make this a little. Seven and eight win in one of two games, they get in the playoffs. If nine or ten win two games, then those two teams get in the playoffs. It's It's some sort of cuckoo nutty system like that. Okay, so looking at the bracket here, at the top of the bracket, there's... There's a play-in, two play-ins. So the winner becomes the eighth seed. Yes, the winner becomes the eighth seed. So this is in both play-in games. The winners become the eighth seed. Well, they become the seventh and eighth seeds. Seventh and eighth seeds. Thank you very much. Yes, you're right. And then there's, what's the winner-loser thing? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's it. It gets a little muddy, but it's basically that the, if you're a nine or ten seed, you have to win two games. Oh, the, all right. So that's where it makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All if right. you're the seven or eight, you just got to win once, and, and you're good. So, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because remember we had said we had we were putting we were we had broken up with the Ingleside Lakers. We had said they're done, but they've kind of crept back into the news because they were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, you know, we, we were so excited th- for them this season. Yes. Hey, Rob, are you watching the uh, the HBO show on the Lakers? Winning time? Love it. All right, I haven't watched it yet, but just like you, I mean, everybody's raving about it. Yeah, it's it, it started out, it, the first couple episodes, um, you think everybody who's not named Bus is a real asshole. <laughs> um, they make Kareem look like just a dour, unpleasant human being. They look, Magic Johnson looks like kind of a jerk. Everyone, Norm Nixon, Jerry West, Bill Sharman, everybody involved, not named Bus. By the way, if John Riley doesn't win an Emmy for his performance as Jerry Bus, it's highway robbery. But, he should have won one when he played uh, the, the parody on Johnny Cash. Yeah, what the Dewey Cox, like Walker. Oh, yeah. That was that just, movie? He's that just was great. Incredible. He's fantastic and everything. But anyway, it's a wonderful documentary now everybody is sort of now you see more of the each person's character it's not just the one dimensional characters that they were in the first two episodes and they're really they're taking their time you know they're just now it's they're they just finished five episodes and they're just starting the season you know magic johnson's rookie season it took them four episodes to get just through the draft and training oh, camp cool. and everything else and bus buying the team it almost feels like it's going to be multiple seasons not just one the way they're kind All of right. slow walking it but it's really good. Sunday nights on HBO. Um, I highly recommend it. Anyway. Um, the modern day Lakers. The modern day Lakers are done. Finished. And there's no one to blame but LeBron James. 
He I was, was going to ask you on that point, Rob. How long has it been since LeBron has not been in the playoffs? A while. There, you go. Um, there was a time where he had made, what, nine or ten straight NBA finals, but it's been a while since he's been out of the playoffs. I mean, they were in the playoffs last year, barely. Obviously, they won it all in, in 20 in the bubble. Um, I don't know Michael if it's last year. If, if in 20 is last year in Cleveland, they make it to the playoffs? I don't know. But it seems like he's always in the playoffs. But for the Lakers, that grand experiment, as I was saying before about a bunch of young kids that are going to go to the pros, the bunch of one-and-dones doesn't really work. Well, a bunch of guys at the other end of the spectrum with all this time and ex- all this experience and, and wins and championships between them, and it went right off the rails. And, and again, it, it, there's no one to blame there but LeBron James. He put the team together. He's the coach, general manager, probably the owner too, <laughs> secretly. Um, he it, it's his. He put this team together. It was his brainchild, and it's blown up in his face. So who knows where they go from here? Um, they got to start thinking about putting a team together, not just you know guys that are really old. That you know, if this were ten years ago, would be a super team, and now it's just. You're watching the only guy that's not old, Anthony Davis, can't stay healthy. So that, if he stays, who knows if he was going to stay in Los Angeles? Who knows? Who? Who? LeBron. Well, that no. was, I was going to ask you, if, where is he contract-wise, any any postseason comments, anything, that rumblings? I mean. No, he's not going to. I mean, the only thing he said a while back was he would like to finish his career playing with his son. In oh, no, playing with his son. So. Okay. You can already see the wheels turning, whether he's good enough to be drafted or not. LeBron's son, Bronny. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the storybook ending. He gets drafted by Cleveland. He goes back to Cleveland, finishes out his career there, brings him a championship, storybook ending. Uh, I don't know if they'll bring him a championship. Straight, but, uh... straight to Hollywood. No, I mean, that's just, but that's just the, the kind of plan of action. I can't see him staying in Los Angeles unless they, unless he, I say they, unless he tears that team down and puts a team together. Not just all of his pals. This is not, you know, pick up basketball uh, in the playground. This is a franchise. And uh, it, he certainly hasn't brought shame to this franchise. No, I mean, he won him a championship, another one. He's still a great player. It's just that should have, even though it was doomed from the start, it's still super disappointing. They couldn't even make the playoffs. You know, LeBron's not getting any younger, but he's still the best on that team. Still seem to be, still seem to be the only person contributing night after night, and all the players they let go. He shouldn't have made that Disney movie. That was his mistake. That Space Jam Two was terrible. All the players they let go to bring in the oldsters, and that, and including bringing in Russell Westbrook, um, the guys they let go, KCP and Kuzma, they could use them right now, and maybe some players who aren't quite as famous to surround he and Anthony Davis and even Carmelo Anthony. But, you know, we'll see next year. But they're done, and now we don't have to talk about them anymore. All right, well, let's uh, talk about a couple of the other things in the NBA that you did want to talk about. All right. Um, Ben Simmons. It's just, you know, uh, the the Brooklyn Nets seemingly couldn't wait to trade James Harden to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. And now, since that time, Brooklyn, I believe, is a losing record. 11-13, 11-14. They're under 500 since Simmons has arrived. Not that you would know, because Simmons has yet to play a single game. So two pieces of news have come out about Ben Simmons in the last couple of days. One, 
He's going to miss the rest of the regular season and the play-in tournament. Big surprise. He hasn't played any minutes at all the season, period. He, well, well, I've, I've heard that he's the investment in him as a incredible supporter of the organization. Well, he's off the court. He's the he's, most expensive cheerleader they have. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, at the same time, he has filed a grievance oh, to get on. back $20 million withheld by the Philadelphia 76ers. So they don't have it because they lent all the money to the Phillies to bring in those guys in the line. Dave Dombrowski has spent all the money for all the Philadelphia. <laughs> if you are the net, well, first of all, you're the 76ers. You just, you just laugh and laugh and laugh. Not at the, the grievance, but the fact that you trade a guy who you can't depend on in the clutch in big games because he can't shoot. He, 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 Panics when he has to shoot a foul, uh, free throw. Can't really shoot. Plays great defense. Can't really shoot. Can't shoot free throws when it counts. You got rid of him for James Harden, who's got his own baggage. But at least he's playing, and Philadelphia is right there in the mix. Um, and and Ben Simmons is doing the same thing in Brooklyn that he's doing for you, which is nothing. Now, granted, this involves mental illness and emotional well-being and it's re that's the third rail these days when you question whether somebody really has psychological issues emotional well-being problems etc but part of why he didn't play was and I'm, I'm just gonna state it without judgment and without subjectivity but objectively he didn't play and part of why he didn't play is something you really can't prove or disprove the whole emotional well-being, mental illness thing. Uh, it's just, it is what it is. You can't prove it. You can't say you do or don't have it. It's not like you can take an x-ray or an MRI and say, look, he's got a, you know, tore his Achilles or dislocated his shoulder. It's it's his own state of mind. Um, but Philadelphia said that, that Simmons, so Simmons wants his money, but Philadelphia said he's been in breach of contract uh, since before the season. Philadelphia has repeatedly insisted that Simmons was in breach of his contract under the collective bargaining agreement between the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association and had the right to recoup the money advanced him before the season. The NBA and the NBPA have been at odds over this issue, and now arbitration could set a precedent on how future matters of mental health and contracts might be handled. The 76ers have insisted that Simmons breached his player contract upon failing to show up for the start of training camp. Remember, he was a no-show for a long time, and then when he finally did show up, it was just to ask to be traded. And refusing to play during the preseason and regular season, Simmons arrived in Philadelphia near the end of the preseason, but cited his mental health for the reason that his participation in team activities was so limited. Now, he also has a physical injury, um, knee problems, I believe, is why he hasn't played for Brooklyn, but it also is he was still carrying the same emotional baggage that he had when he had with Philadelphia. So he's not going to play in Brooklyn. He didn't play in Philadelphia. He wants his money back from Philadelphia, and he's taking money from Brooklyn. So if you're Brooklyn, you gave up what you gave up to get Ben Simmons. You've got to have some serious buyer's remorse right now because, you know. But but on the other hand, you kind of knew what you were getting. It was no secret that there was something going on with, with Ben Simmons, that he was damaged goods physically, mentally, whatever. That whole situation in Philadelphia was a mess, and you wanted him, and you thought things would be different. He would walk into to, you know the Barclays Center and be ready to go, be you know an all star, and that hasn't quite happened. So, 
you know, that's a story we'll be following closely here at the Haunt Shows. Will we? No, well, I will be. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't like to lie to our listeners because I have a feeling that that's a bunch of bullshit. Well, it's what this. Well, it's fascinating because it really is. How far are teams willing to go to accommodate mental health? Because really, he's not. The, the crux of his not playing is a mental health issue as opposed to some physical issue. I mean, he won't, he hasn't gotten on the court. He, he was, he was barely able. I don't, he wouldn't go to Philadelphia. The first game with the Nets was, I believe against Philly. And he said, I'm not going to sit on the bench. I'm not going to sit in Philadelphia after you just traded for me. So it's going to be interesting to see how far this goes, but I don't know how interesting it really is. It takes, uh, I will say this. You got to have some sack, some cojones, some chutzpah, as my people would say, to, you know, basically hide from your team and then ask for, you know, the money back that they didn't give you. Last the worst time they I che- can say is no. Yeah. Last time I checked, you were paid to play. Ah, the- that's old yeah. school. That's so, old but school. But damn, you know what? I forget, though, it's the NBA. So the players always win the NBA. So he's going to get his money and then he's going to take money from Philly. And take money from Brooklyn, and neither team will get any benefit from having Ben Simmons on their team. Well said. Well said, because that is the truth. All right, so a lot of guys actually, uh, speaking of money, um, there's a lot of guys in the Basketball Hall of Fame that never made anywhere close to what these guys are making today. Yeah, so you want to real, talk about the class of 22? Just real quick to say this: these are the people going in, all worthy. Uh, see here. Get it? All worthy. I see where you're going here. <laughs> so, uh, Swin Cash, WNBA icon Swin Cash, uh, Manu Ginobili, one of the unheralded San Antonio Spurs. Everybody knows uh, Duncan and Robinson and Tony Parker, but uh, Manu Ginobili was just as important to those championships. Well, they used to call him Nobody Knows Nobly. And, uh, really? No, they didn't. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> Uh, Tim Hardaway, George Carl, and Bob Huggins. Now, Ooh. I have to admit, I'm a big fan of Bob Huggins. Just No not... relation to Bilbo Baggins. No. It, it, Bob Huggins, who just, you know, I'm not trying to body shame. Uh-oh. But he's getting it to, he's, every year he gets closer and closer to Andy Reid territory. And the outfits he wears every year, it just looks like he got a garbage bag and said, just cut a hole in it for my head. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's a great coach, always has been. His teams play really tough. Cincinnati, West Virginia, he takes – it's they both play the same way under his guidance. But for me, the best Bob Huggins will be – best story will be when he this year was on uh, the, the halftime show and the pregame shows for the, the NCAA tournament. He – Looked so uncomfortable and out of place. First of all, he was still wearing, you know, the, the trash bag with the, the hole cut out for his head. And he, on the sideline, you never see him smile. He's just got this constant frown, this constant, like you said, Mike Shanahan, the constant bitter beer face. And when he went, when he sat on the panel in the pregame and halftime shows, he had the same look on his face, like he was coaching again. The, the look that said, I want to be anywhere but here, how did I get caught up in doing this? I'm not a TV guy. I'm a basketball coach. Um, but good for him. He's a really good coach. Um, well-deserved. No championships, but his teams always win more than they lose. Um, Tim Hardaway's a no-brainer. Monage Noble is a no-brainer. George Carl, I'm, I'm actually 
kind of surprised. George Carl always struck me as a coach who was good, even really good, but one of the greats. I don't know. But, you know, good for him. I don't want to, you know, take anything away from him. Just he was the only one that surprised me. The rest of no brainers for the rest of them. But George Carl, you know, he's our sixth all time in NBA career wins. 27 seasons, 22 postseasons. It was NBA Coach of the Year once. I mean, now, and, you know, he was a pretty good college player in Carolina, but, you know, it's because remember, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, not just the NBA Hall of Fame. But if you took all those accomplishments, put them together, I'm just not sure he rises to the level of some of the other Hall of Fame coaches. Well, if that's the truth, Mr. Cooney, then he won't get in. He isn't. What? No, that's what I'm saying. George Carl is in. He's just, he's one of the class of 22. Well, that's bullshit. I don't know what he was in. It changed the whole dynamic of this conversation. He's in. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, was there anybody I could write a letter to? Um, Along with my letter to continue using that bright orange basketball. You can send your letter. You know what? All NBA concerns should be sent to James, LeBron. (laughs) I believe he runs the NBA. Forget Adam Silver. The you know NBA commissioner just send all your all your basketball related inquiries to Bron Bron. Okay, what you do? You want to move on from the NBA? I mean, might as well do the NBA votes thing if you want to. Want to nah, talk about that? You know, I'm going to save that for uh, a rainy day. It's raining. It's raining we, right now. When we get closer to the time when the postseason awards come out, just I I found out something very interesting about the process, and um, it was it's something to talk about next week. Okay. Do you do you want to run through a quick little uh, MLB predictions since opening day? I, I want I want you to do to give the the to baseball the same treatment you gave to the NFL <laughs> the best a, preview ever. Yeah, it's just a better caliber of sport MLB above NFL. I mean, I can't make fun of Major League Baseball. It's a it's a it's an incredibly hard game to play. Uh, they play. 60 times more games than the NFL players do. They make more money or just as much. Or I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't make fun of I you. find I find baseball too hard to predict like this early in the season. So rather than say who I think will be left standing, here's what I'd like to see World Series. I'd like to see Toronto, which pains me to say that, by the way, because they're it's just as, as a as an AL East guy, it pains me to, to give any love to any of the teams, least of all Toronto. I find them almost the most objectionable because they always seem to be ruining my life. I mean, the Yankees and, the, and Red Sox ruin everyone's life, but I always find Toronto was specifically pointing their hatred towards me. And in the National League, I want to see San Diego finally make it. Just, It's a team that seems to have, uh, seems to be on the last couple of years, seems to be on the cusp. Both yeah, I mean, but Tatis just injured his wrist in a stupid Motorcycle no. thing or whatever. He's they don't have the pitching. I mean, how are they going to beat the Dodgers? No, I've learned over the years that the teams that seem to have in baseball the biggest payroll and all the stars. You know, you still got to it. It it still takes a little, you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of chemistry in there. And I don't know. I mean, the Dodgers. Believe me, the Dodgers really good. They seem to be. Uh, they've only gotten stronger adding Freddie Freeman, because if there's a glue guy, the ultimate glue guy in baseball, also must be a hell of a player, it's him. I'm not saying the San Diego will be there. I'm just saying I want to see them because they've been sort of building toward this the last few years. They're getting Clevenger back. 
after his Tommy John surgery. They seem to have all the pieces in place. So I, you know, as much as I despise Manny Machado, um, I, you know, still like to see them. I, I don't know if they're going to get there. And of course, on the other side with Toronto, all the sons of former major leaguers with Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette and uh, Biggio's kid. It'd be great to see those two teams face each other. I don't know if that's going to happen. Would you like to know, by the way, a little nugget that I was I heard about from uh, John Heyman of MLB Network and Richard Justice of MLB.com? Please indulge us. Uh, in 1991, the Oakland A's, you know, the Oakland A's are dumping every player they have as they uh, – constantly retool for the future a, a team that will uh, the 2022 Oakland A's will dump all their good players bring a f- team full of nobodies up and they'll still win 100 games because that's what Oakland does but in 1991 when they had the Bash brothers and Ricky Henderson and Dave Stewart and, and a really good team that had just come off three straight World Series their payroll was 33 million dollars <laughs> that was the highest in baseball okay in 19 in 2022 would you like to know what the Oakland A's payroll is now yeah Go ahead. What is it? $33 million. Wow. 31 years later. They are number 29 out of 30 teams. That would be, thank you, Baltimore Orioles. They have the lowest payroll in the majors, which is good. That team, if they had anything but the lowest payroll, I'd be really irritated. Um, This year, the team with the second highest payroll in baseball is is the team not named the Yankees at $251 million. Would you like to know the common denominator between the 1991 Oakland A's and the 2022, not New York Yankees. Oh, uh, no. What is that? Sandy Alderson. Oh. A guy who complained going into that 1991 season when his team's pay, his team's payroll, and I think in 87 or 88 was $6 million. And he complained that his payroll was going to triple to $18 million going into those three World Series years. So now, you know, he was the free spender with Oakland, and now he's... He and Steve Cohen are the free spenders with the not New York Yankees. Um, so will it will it amount to anything? Will spending all that money amount to anything? Who knows? But you know, with uh, Degrom and Scherzer both experiencing arm pain, you now your hopes now rest with Chris. Bassett. Oh, oh, look, yeah. Don't say the name because I'll play the song. No, I'm not. I'm not Don't. saying the name. Don't. I can say the, the players, but I won't say the name. All right, so you look. You want me to try and do this little prediction? No, no. I, I, if, it, if it pains your soul to do so, you no, don't no. Have. I'm going to do it, but it's going to be complete opposite because it's going to be more goods than no goods. All right, so That's let's fine. have a little, let's have a little fun here. I know the Orioles are no good. I'll just, I'll give you. I'll just leave it with that. <laughs> all right, let's give this a shot here. Let's see what happens. All right, all right. Let's look at the uh, AL East here. Tampa Bay Rays, good, good team. Red Sox, very good. Yankees, good. Blue Jays. Good. Orioles, no good. No good. White Sox, good. Guardians, no good. The name alone, eliminated. Tigers, very good. Like them this year. Royals, no good. Twins, too many changes. No good. Astros will always be no good, even though they are real good. Mariners, could be good. A's, no good. Angels, could be good. I like some trout. Shohei. Might be good. Oh, Rangers, more Shohei Otani. Give me more Shohei Otani. <laughs> Rangers, no good. No good. All right. Um, so as far as what I think is going to happen over there in the uh, AL East, uh, Blue Jays are going to win it. Uh, Astros are going to win the West. Tigers are going to win the Central. Uh, your wild card team is going to be the Yankees, the Red Sox, 
and the White Sox. Okay? That's right. That's, now uh, we have two more playoff teams this year. Mm, now we now move right. effortlessly over to the National League. The National League. Okay, we'll start in the NL East. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Braves, good. Good team. Phillies, very good. My new favorite National League team. Mets, supposed to be good. Supposed to be good. We'll see what I'll happens. Give I'll give them a soft ding. There Very you go. nice. Bro. Marlins, no good. Nationals, no good. <laughs> Brewers, very good in the regular season. Playoffs, no Last good. <laughs> Cardinals, excellent at the end of last season. This season, no good. Reds, no good. <laughs> Cubs, no good. Pirates are never good. Never good. Pirates almost get the double buzzer because they're, they're the National League version of the Orioles. What's their payroll? I, I think a, a few bucks. <laughs> so, All not, right. still not lower than the Orioles. Orioles coming in hot at 30 out of 30 teams with their lowest payroll in baseball. All right. NL West. Giants, good. Dodgers, very good. Padres, good. Rockies with Bryant, still no good. Diamondbacks haven't been good for decades. Okay? My National League predictions are the Dodgers will win the West, the Phillies will win the East, the Brewers will win the Central, and then the Mets. Uh-oh. I oh, said no. the name. No. I, Say it I so. said the name. Oh, no. Uh-oh. No. Yes. We have to. <laughs> we said it. I said it. The Mets. There they are. I said it. The Mets will make the playoffs this year in the wild card. And then uh, I will also pick the Giants. Uh, are we gonna, let's, let's listen to the, the, the tantalizing sounds of... The Amazons. The Amazons, baby. And uh, I just want to... I, I like the, the Giants to me were just too damn good last year. I know they've lost yep. a couple key guys, but Joey Bart. Um, he's got to take over for Mosey. Mosey Bango, Mosey Bongo. <laughs> I'm, I'm also looking forward to seeing how the National League East plays out. The three-team race between the Phillies, the Braves, and the team not named the Yankees. Yes, that would be amazing. Amazing match. And, of course, I want to see another season of the Crypt Keeper out there in Chicago. He's got a great team. Yeah, Tony so, Russo, baby. Yeah, that's right. Don't Just Russo. don't, you know, give him the keys to a car. Yes, okay. So, uh, and then um, I've got the Phillies. Coming out of the National League, playing my New York Yankees and Booney and this revamped lineup. Uh, you know, now that Voight and Ursula and Stanton are gone, all the, uh, the the ball, you know, the clubhouse stuff is gone. Uh, Donaldson's a great addition. Uh, Higashioka is going to have a, a great season. Uh, Falefa is going to be great. And uh, the pitching just needs to be okay. And the Yankees will win. And you'll have a Joe Girardi, uh, Boone, World Series. Writing the movie script for it. We talked about it today on my baseball Joe Girardi. podcast. Yes. Coaching the Phillies, baby. Oh, uh, that's... okay. They said uh, Joe Girardi, Yankees, World Series. I'm like, Joe Girardi, he's, he's uh, long gone. You want that. You only want that storybook. I would be great. That would be right. a fantastic World Series. Then Girardi Booty wins. This is Booty. Right down the canyon of heroes. And that's it. And then we the Yankees take another break for another 10 years until they rebuild again. All right. I I would I hope my fingers are always crossed every year for a good Angels postseason run because Mike Trout, it's just you feel so bad for the guy. Guy who's so loyal to the team, best player in baseball, and he can't. He's had you know three games in the postseason, and that's that. You, you could know? say the same thing about Degrom. You know, I mean, you could, but and of course Shohei Otani, anxious to see how uh, 
He does again. And he's, he's on the, the cover of uh, the show, the MLB uh, baseball game that's out now, folks. You got to go get it. It's and amazing. there's a new rule, you know, the the whole show, the Otani rule. You know, when you get a Love rule it. after you, good or bad, you know you've done something right. And are you, I can't remember, are you happy with the DH in both leagues now? Uh, no. Come on. No. I, I, you, I told you, I want, the, I want to go back to two separate leagues. They don't talk to each other, see each other, like each other, play each other until the World Series. National League, D, it doesn't have a DH. American League does. You know, I'd be fine with, here's the compromise I would make. DH in both leagues, but still go back to the old. Remember, when interleague play first started, you played 18 games against the other league. Not everybody plays every every other team. I don't like it. Just like I didn't like understand why they they swapped Houston and Milwaukee. I, I never Geographically, it made sense. It, it made no sense. They're done. Baseball's done. Come on, it's not done. It's amazing. It's, it's gonna be a it's great season. No, it's um, you know, I call me when August comes. <laughs> really? No, I will be curious to see, um, if not having spring training has any sort of impact um, on players. Yeah, we're going to see sloppy baseball. We're going to see a lot of injuries. Or we'll have no impact. Then people will realize, yeah, spring training might be a smidge overrated. So we'll see how that plays you out. play 162 games, Rob. Well, I know. I'm saying I, I want to see if, if not having the spring training that they're supposed to have makes any difference. I feel like the first month of the season is really spring training. You just write up... just. Chalk up April as your spring training, and then it really starts in May. You can't go back, Rob. Mm. Can't go back, Rob. This is the modern day MLB. Super Can't go back, man. Lord rest his soul, Mr. Eddie Money, man. Can't go back, Rob. No. Get on board. MLB is going to be amazing this year. Great players. They got lots of money. And it's going to cost us a lot of money to go watch them live. Okay? It always does. Well, well even, I've been... Even hey, here, uh, here in, in Baltimore, for the 30th anniversary of the opening of Camden Yards, boy, I'm old, um, they're, for the whole month of April, they have the, they're going to the April ticket prices. April ticket prices, April food prices. So... Okay, you got to hold that. Th- can, you, can you talk for f- 30 seconds? Because I want to get something. I want to show you something. And I have sure. to just leave the screen. So just talk to the honchos about how good looking about... how good looking I am. I'll be right back. Great. I'm going to talk about the two new things we're going to see in baseball this year, both uh, technology related. So for those that love NFL games, where the if for, if for you the best part of an NFL game is when the refs call penalties and explain why the replay review did or did not go your way, you're going to love what baseball is doing this year because this year umpires will now be equipped with on-field microphones to inform the crowd and television audiences of replay reviews beginning with exhibition games at stadiums this weekend. So the Major League Baseball is going to do the same thing that the NFL does when there's a review, a replay review, a coach's, a manager's challenge they will get on the air. They will get on the mic and explain to the crowd why they decided they're going the way they did. And I'm now distracted by Paul wearing an Orioles hat. It's fantastic. Yes! For your son's little league team. Yes! And Which I'm I am a co-coach. 
I'm happy to see they have the the good Oreo logo, not the one they busted out in 1989 with the ornithologically correct Oreo. The cartoon Oreo will always be the only logo in town. I am wearing this in honor of Joe Altabelli, the last championship manager of the Baltimore Orioles, which my son now, this is his team, and for the Little League, and I'm excited. I forgot I wanted to wear this for the show today. And there it is, Mr. Cuny. How do I look? You look great. Now, now that you're wearing the Orioles hat, would you like to talk about what Major League Baseball is doing to cut down on sign stealing? Have you heard about the pitch com? They have a sniper in the stands? As, as, <laughs> as great as that would be. That would certainly draw fan interest to see if anyone's going to get sniped. But you, you, you remember George Collins, uh, George Collins' skit on baseball, right? Vaguely. About the difference in baseball and football? Yeah, I mean, it's it's No, class- he wanted the new rule changes. Oh. Put minefields in the outfield. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, the pitch com. Not the pitch count, but the pitch com. It's the new anti-stealing device that catchers are going to wear um, starting this season. So it's a, a little transmitter. It looks like a, a video game controller. And um, rather than... Um, s- you know, have signs that teams can steal. The catcher will, I'm quoting an, an article from uh, The Athletic from a couple of days ago. The catcher will wear a wristband with a series of nine buttons. Nine. Each button corresponding to a pitch type and zone location. The catcher lit, hits the buttons for the pitch location desires and an encrypted signal carries that information to a receiver that fits into the hand, the band of the pitcher's hat. The pitcher then hears a voice from the receiver telling him what pitch to throw and where to throw it. And apparently a couple other infielders um, will also have the same uh, access to. You know somebody's going to hack this thing, right? Of course. My first thought was, yeah, okay, you can't see the signals, but it's a computer. It's technology. It's a chip. Someone's going to hack it, and someone's going to figure it out. Look, Does it come with Norton or McAfee antivirus? Oh, I'm sure it comes with all sorts of things. But you know what it also comes with? It comes with the knowledge that sign stealing is a part of the game and you're just going to have to get over yourselves. If you don't want people stealing your signs, uh, have a bunch of different signs. So this is great, this little pitch com thing, but it's going to get hacked. Someone's the Astros have ordered a whole bunch of new garbage cans to bring to the stadium. Sign stealing, if you want to steal signs, great. But the lengths that the Astros have gone to and whoever else with the trash cans, that may be a bridge too far. But sign stealing goes back to the beginning of baseball. It's just how it is. See, you want to go back. And here's the nice thing. Both teams can steal each other's signs. It's not like only one team has this advantage. Both teams, home team, visiting team. Again, if you stoop to the level of trash cans, um, then, yeah, the home team has a distinct advantage. But really, you just get a guy. Hey, you want to use the sniper rifle? Get the guy with the sniper with the, the scope and his sniper rifle from a mile away, and he can signal the signs. He doesn't even. That all he needs is his iPhone and the zoom. Yeah. You just pinch, pinch, you know, wide and in, right? Isn't that right? You can yes. So rather than do all these things to prevent sign stealing, just give us the pitch clock. Enforce yeah. Batter's not stepping out of the batter's box. No, no, I like that. I like the guy's routines. I That's one of my things I love about old school baseball. I don't mind. I like the guys. I like to see how they get into this stance. I like the the glove, uh, you know, pulling the, the, the Velcro off, you know, all the little things that they do that they get ready before they step into the box. I like that. Don't get rid of that, Rob. Don't well, get rid of why, it. 
That's why games are four hours. No, but it's, it's one of the great unique things. Like, I love player stances, and it, it's, you know. You don't have to do it after every pitch. What? I, I don't mind. It's too mucking fudge. Well, yeah, but, you know, he basically the, that has come about because it's not the hitter's fault. The catcher gets the ball. The catcher throws the ball to the, back to the pitcher. Then the pitcher has to wait, and then they got to do the signs, and they got to look down third base. The batter's got to keep himself busy, Rob. So, you know, fix your gloves, adjust yourself a little bit. It's you know? too mucking fudge. All right. We're ready to wrap this sucker up. I am ready. Are you it's sure? Time, I, think. I am. All right. You sure? I- I'm. Let's do it. Are you definitely sure? No, I'm not sure anymore. It's oh, sorry. I guess time for the dope of the week. Dope of the week. That's awesome, dude. And unlike last week when we played a greatest hits, we have a fresh. Let me. Ah, the smell of a fresh dope of the week coming at you on a dusty road. Good loving. I got a truckload. Sorry, that's the script. You know. Mr. Cuthbert and all the Sam and Dave fans out there, the Gags Gang and I spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner, and you can. For absolutely no reward, save for our undying respect and gratitude, help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Please to be using the hashtag D-O-T-W on Twitter. That's at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Ghost Sports Media Co. You choose one or all of them. It's up to you. It's Still America, I think. And who will be carrying the mythical sports honchos dope of the week cup around ye oldie ice rink of shame this week? Speaking of winning time, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right. NBA legend. No further description necessary. You know, it is not often that I... It is not often that I aim my cannons of snark at a deity, so... Yeah, I'm perplexed here. Everyone, Jabbar, a six-time NBA champion, three-time NCAA champion, six-time MVP, and the NBA's all-time leading scorer is widely considered one of the five greatest players ever. Off the court, he has been almost as prolific as a writer, actor, producer, and a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2016. Since he retired from playing in 1989, he's a champion of social justice. He is not afraid to comment on current events and his writing is often thoughtful and insightful. However, he is also human and sometimes he steps on a rake or two just like the rest of us. Today's drama stars Jabbar and the man chasing his scoring record, a player who has racked up quite a few championships, MVPs, and accolades of his own. A man also in the top five list of greatest players of all time. In fact, he plays for Jabbar's former team, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm talking, of course, about LeBron James. So I'm going after two titans of the NBA. Wow. As I've already mentioned, Jabbar is not afraid to speak his mind in any public forum. He is a frequent contributor to such publications as the Washington Post, the LA Times, and Time Magazine. Whether it is sports or politics or any topic in between. Sorry, I went to the zoo for a moment. There are any topic in between. <laughs> Jabbar is not afraid to take them on. His latest target this past weekend was the aforementioned King James. Before the Lakers' latest loss, this time a 129-118 loss to the Denver Nuggets, Jabbar leveled the following criticism uh, against LeBron James. The hell I don't. <laughs> Listen, kid. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton in the near up and down the court for 48 minutes. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. That, Fantastic. That, was that, that, this is actually what he said. 
Uh, some of the things he's done and said are really beneath him as far as I can see. Some of the great things that he's done, he's standing on both sides of the fence almost, you know, makes me it makes it hard for me to accept that when he's committed himself to a different take on everything, it's hard to figure out where he's standing. You've got to check him out every time. Um, if he would take this time, I definitely got the time. I admire the things that he's done that have gotten all our attention. Sending a whole school to college, wow, that's amazing. His thoughtfulness and willingness to back it up with his wallet, you got to give him credit for that. So I'm not throwing stones. I just wish he wouldn't, you know, some of the things he's done, he should be embarrassed about. That's just where I'm coming from. So um, it's not the first time, by the way, that Jabbar has taken aim at James. This past December, Jabbar called James out for what Jabbar thought was an obscene dance after an overtime win and made this fabulous, fabulous comment, goats don't dance. And James's <laughs> apparent ignorance over the difference between COVID, the flu, and a cold. And I will add parenthetically, he had the famous meme of the Spidermans pointing at each other. One said COVID, one said flu, and one said the cold. Now, uh -huh. this is not a rant on Jabbar commentary or criticism, depending on your side of the street. This is actually about the most difficult thing to do if you are a public figure, especially an athlete. That's right. I am talking about the dreaded apology. Apparently, a heartfelt and genuine apology is almost as rare these days as Trevor Noah saying something funny on The Daily Show. Sorry, cheap shot alert. Ooh. A good apology is one in which the offending party takes full responsibility full responsibility uh, for the actions against the aggrieved and throws himself or herself uh, on the mercy of the court of public opinion. There can be some quality self-flagellation, and if one is really lucky, then the apology will finish with a single ironized Cody-like tear falling down the cheek. Too many apologies these days seem to start with the, some variation of, I am sorry if you were offended. Now, this is an example of a good apology. All right, all right, I apologize. <laughs> really sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I apologize unreservedly. You take it back. I do. I offer a complete and utter retraction. The imputation was totally without basis in fact and was in no way fair comment and was motivated purely by malice. And I deeply regret any distress that my comments may have caused you or your family and I hereby undertake not to repeat any such slander at any time in the future. That was a fantastic apology. Here, on the other hand, is... I love the seagulls apology. in that bit, by the way. Yeah, well, that cost extra for the seagulls. All I have to say is this. This is Jabbar's apology. All I have to say is this. I was there to give Carmelo Anthony the NBA Social Justice Champion Award. I've been talking to the press since high school. That's 60 years of making statements. And I haven't always gotten it right. And Sunday was one of those nights, Abdul-Jabbar said on Monday on Sirius XM NBA Radio, referring to the comments he made at Crypto.com Arena before the Lakers game against the Denver Nuggets. Then he went on to say, it wasn't my intention to criticize LeBron in any way. He has done so much for the black community as well as for the game of basketball. We may not always agree, but I want to wholeheartedly apologize to LeBron and make it clear to him that I have tremendous respect for him. And if he can accept that, I'll be very happy. So the first part of that apology was pretty, pretty good. Some real introspection. Then, like Miles Teller's acting career, the apology careened right out of control. The relevant words from that apology are, quote, not my intention to criticize. And now let me channel my 
inner Forrest Gump. You know what? I'm not a smart man, Jenny, <laughs> but I know what criticize means. And I'm pretty sure that was criticism. But let's just say for yucks that Jabbar did not intend to criticize. In that case, Your Honor, what was Jabbar's intention when he called James's action, quote, beneath him and, quote, embarrassing? Tough love? Reverse psychology? Hazing a fellow Laker? Let me ask thing, Paul. If a criticism falls in a forest and no one admits it, does it truly need an apology? I am clearly not a philosophy major or a botany major. To paraphrase the great Miles Davis, it is not the criticism you intend, it is the criticisms you do not intend that make all the difference. You know, that was a pretty uninspiring way to end the dope of the week. I owe you all an apology. So for all of us here at Go Sports Media and the Dean Blundell Network, I am sorry if you were offended. Now go pound sand. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for once again proving that even the smartest people make dumb apologies for making me slander the good names of Miles Teller, Trevor Noah, and Miles Davis, and for being portrayed as such a cranky McSour pants in the HBO documentary Winning Time, you are the sports honchos dope of the week. Congrats, Kareem. Your certificate is in the mail. And yes, I have I was treading lightly because after all, he is a deity. Well done, Mr. Kuhn. I know that wasn't easy for you, but bravo, as always. I'm going to be struck by lightning any minute now. No, no, I don't think he has, he holds that much water, you know. So, but, uh, you know, in these uh, tipsy-turvy, topsy-turvy, toovy days, you know, you got to watch what you say. And how you say it, who you say it to. Yep. And um, because you never know when Mr. Robert Cuny is paying attention or sees it and then snags you, catches That's you. Right. Always watching. In the DOTW fish bucket. Yep. Always watching. Creepily looking through your window. <laughs> taking you notes. I heard that song today, by the way. It was crazy. Uh, no, actually, it was last night. And um, I think we have to just. I think this is a great way to wrap the show up here because um, it's so funny that you just said that. Which song would that be? Hold on. Uh, Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me and I get no privacy. Or at more presence I'm singing. <laughs> oh, man. What happened? Uh, it's gone. Sorry. I can't do it, man. I don't know. Oh, I know why that happened. Should we hear uh, the uh, the recording from Johan's Johan Santana's no hitter again? While we while you look for the music? No, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just I, I lost the moment though. I mean, you no. know, it's like it's if you're not there. I mean, it's like you know. Here you go. Oh, here we go. Yeah, is this rock? I got to tell you, man, the lyrics are extremely cheesy, and especially the way he sings the lyrics. Uh, it is the 80s. It's over the top. Well, anyway. Um, together on the 7th, I'm Jack Cheese. You're listening to WHON, Honcho's Radio. Hard to believe this was a, this shit was on the radio years ago. Well, Here you go. Listen to the way he sings this. Right up to the post, baby. It's a radio from the Why does he talk like this and sing like this? Oh, the second verse is worse. It's worse. Now, I, there's, I, that's Michael Jackson, right? It's either, or, or Jermaine Jackson, I think. No, it's... I, 
Is it? Yeah. Yo, here we go. Listen to that. Let, hold on, listen. And that's why we talked about earlier locking the bathroom, you know, when we take care of business, you know. Right. But anyway, there you go. Some Rockwell for uh, young kids out there. I may have never heard that. Oh, you uh, know what? It's Michael Jackson and Rockwell. It's Rockwell, but it was written by Michael Jackson. So I was right. It's Rockwell, but it was written by Rockwell and Michael Jackson. I don't think it actually appears in the song. Me might. So I'm listening to this song today, Rob, and you're a pretty good uh, ganderer of talent, too. I can't imagine what... Michael Jackson being so talented, how did this? What we have to find out, maybe for next week's show or two weeks from now, what their relationship was. Rockwell this, this and, song and Michael sucks. Jackson, it does suck. And what the what the <laughs> F was really bad. What's Michael Jackson doing a part of this thing? I don't know. That's what a great year did it come out? I know you were just looking it up. What, did you see what year? Uh, early eighties. I know I that, but I'm trying to think around Thriller. And I'm off guess, the wall. I'm guessing you know. you're looking at 83, 84, 85, somewhere in there. Rockwell song. Horrible I just song. had it. Hold on. Oh, here it is. Sometimes I feel like somebody's watching me. Uh, 1984. 84. Yep. So that's after Thriller. 80, a thriller came out in 83, I believe. Yeah, Thriller was 83. So so but Michael Jackson made – he made – so he made his millions. The album came out, and so he's like, "All right, I'll, I'll have a little fun here and goof around." Yeah. And, he, and it, the, the pop side of the '80s back then was ultra cheesy. That's right, and that goes right up there with Ghostbusters. But Ghostbusters is a better song. That dude what? is still playing Ghostbusters live, man. Whatever his name was, Ray Parker Jr. Yeah, baby. You know that's uh, so. I went to see a few years ago, and I was living in Connecticut. I went to see um, Huey Lewis cool. at uh, a small little amphitheater and legend it was a great show the only thing bad about it was because it was connecticut and he's friends with chris berman he had chris berman come on stage and they when they did their tribute to glenn fry who had just passed away before the show i think they sang take it easy and of course they had chris berman singing along with it so that was awful oh, no. but i bring this up because in the encore the first encore huey comes back out on stage and he says so when we recorded this song the second we finished it second we put the song to bed and finished recording it, Chris Hayes, the guitar player, looked at me and said, we're going to play this song every night for the rest of our fucking lives. And they <laughs> launched into, then they launched into Power of Love. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you said Power of Love and maybe not one of their other songs. No, but I think they knew when they wrote that song that this was going to be a smash. And well, it didn't hurt that it was also – it didn't help hurt that it was also part of uh, Back to the Future. And I've always wondered, by the way, like I've always wanted to ask like a, a famous musician or a famous band. I said, do you guys know, like when you write a song and you put it to bed and it's finally, you finally lay down the last track for it and it's done, it's in the can. Do you know, do you just know that it's going to be a super smash or are you taken by surprise when these songs become hits? Well, we I talked just, about that last week when we talked about Taylor Hawkins, how Kurt Cobain and, and Dave Grohl and the, uh, Nirvana, they were out in the tour and Teen Spirit was breaking, you know, was going crazy all over the world, and they had no idea. No, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like you know, I you know, I don't think Kurt's necessarily a good example to ask that kind of question. 
because Kurt really just didn't, you know, he just did his thing and it was no big He's deal. Too, he would he would have been if he were alive and you could ask him, he would be too humble. And at the time, he wouldn't. He, it probably wouldn't occur to him. He'd be like, oh, "I like this song. I like it. I have no. I'm not." A great gonna... way to look at it too is if uh, you know. I've only watched the beginning of the Beatles documentary, but when you see, you know, McCartney there and they're doing "Get Back," and it's a simple bluesy song, but it's it's them and the, and you're in the moment. And you're seeing them write those songs yeah. at that time, and they had already written this incredible body of work. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, I've got. My biggest question, because I don't know yet, I mean, I know the smaller aspects of the business, and especially the ticket business, and how, like, uh, um, and it's different for me, because we're in the tribute business, so as far as, you know, what our take is, our cut is, and then you have the venue, and then you have the, the middle guy, and then the booking agents, and it's all split up through percentage and everything else. But, um, you know, when a guy like Billy Joel plays the garden... You know, or, you know, the Foo Fighters when they used to, or Metallica when they play a football stadium or something like that. How does that get cut up? You know what I mean? It's, yeah, that, that money breakdown is, is uh, unbelievable. And, and, and most of the artists that play those, like the hockey stadiums, stuff like that, they will tell you that, um, you know, they have to go out and play live because that's where they got to make their money and they make their money uh, selling all the swag and stuff like that too, but um, one, one of my goals, by the way, over spring break is to watch the uh, the Get Back documentary, all four hours of it. And watch the Foo Fighters documentary. Foo Fighters one. What's it called again, and where can I find it? Just look up Foo Fighters documentary. Is it on HBO Max or? I think, no, not, the not original. The Sonic, not the Sonic Highways. No, not the Sonic Highways, and it's not okay. the uh, Sound City Studio one either. There's just one on the Foo it's Fighters. The you, know what, you know what? We know each other. I'll look it up, and I'll send it to you. Okay. okay by you know. the way, I, I did check out on youtube i don't know it wasn't what you were talking about but it was dave Grohl playing drums to the backing track of amazing right it just you forget yep what a phenomenal drummer yep he was well he is but he doesn't really play the drums anymore i mean it's just you, you forget you're like wow i forgot this he started out as a drummer so good mm-hmm. i just see him banging away to a nirvana song you know like like it was 1992 all over again incredible right told you yep I told you. All right, pal. It's time to say goodbye. Yeah, you got some bonus honcho time there, everybody. I know, a little post-game, you know. It's like uh, it's like Bill Maher's overtime on YouTube. Yep. You know? So, a little honcho's overtime. Well, yep. everybody, um, thanks for listening. And Rob, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Say goodbye like you always do. All right, hey, everybody. You know, thank you as always. We don't have a show you're out there listening to us so please rate us review us download subscribe all those things all the usual platforms you can find us everywhere not just in your backyard looking through the window um easter and passover are coming spring breaks coming enjoy the next week you see willie mays or any member of his family or any <laughs> basketball hall of famers give them all a big big honcho sized hug kiss in the cheek whatever just cherish them while they're with us because you know we take out hall of famers in this show and please spring break and Easter and Passover coming. We're off next week, so we can't be here to joke you. Kind to each other, as always. Yeah, show some goddamn empathy, for God's sakes, because if you don't, I'm going to beat the umps. That doesn't make any sense, does it, right? No, it sure doesn't. No, it doesn't. All right, folks, you're the best. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your audience. Rob, I appreciate you. I don't I know if you appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Curie. I like that. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the break. We'll be back in two weeks. Honchos are out, baby. <laughs>